to the Brownstone with Jara Monique. I'm Jara, your host, and this is the show where we explore how people experience and engage with different aspects of life from their varied perspectives, all while sharing some laughs, some gags, and some advice. On today's show, we're going to be talking about risk-taking, aka that leap of faith. And joining me today will be one of my best friends, Joshiel. And Joshiel, <laughs> hey, <laughs> is a fellow Brooklynite. He is an actor, he is an entrepreneur, he is a creative, and he is currently residing in Hotlanta. So, <laughs> so Joshiel, hey, boo. <laughs> hello, 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 my love. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm dying in the Atlanta heat already, and uh, I'm ready for some cold. That's what I need in my life. Really? Is it still hot there? Because it's getting kind of chilly up here. Uh, yeah. We yesterday we hit eighty-eight, and I know. Yeah, I, you probably like that though, right? You like the heat. No, I don't like the heat, but I don't like the cold either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just unsatisfied. Fuck it. <laughs> Never satisfied. <laughs> Oh my God. So I just want to say thank you so much for doing the brownstone, for coming here. I'm so excited to talk to you. (laughs) I'm excited to talk to you. Get out of here. The fact that you even asked me to do it, I was just like, she cares about what I have to say. That means the world. (laughs) Of course, of course. Um, I guess, well, to start the show, I usually begin with a segment called What's the Meaning? What's the Meaning? I told y'all I was going to do this. <laughs> Thank you for that beautiful serenade. I think I might keep that in for every future episode. <laughs> and uh, what's the meaning is really where I take a word that's related to today's topic or one floating around in the zeitgeist and kind of discuss what it means like in relation to ourselves and our experience with the word. And um, today it seems very fitting because of like the pandemic, quarantine, um, also like we both live in different states and we live in different states from like the majority of our friends. So um, today's word is going to be loneliness. Ooh. Lonely. So I'll just start by saying like, what um, is loneliness to you? Um. Can I use the definition that I found on Google? Because it is kind of like hilarious and sad at the same time. It says loneliness is sadness because one has no friends or company. And I was like, oh, my God, that is, that is intense. That is intense. Um, and I I definitely don't identify loneliness as that. Me as this kind of depression and complete sadness. I think that that is, for me, the, the extreme state of loneliness. And uh, one thing that I've been doing a lot of with meditation and, like, self-care as far as mental self-care and just learning how to vibrate higher, if you will, is that loneliness at the end of the day is just a feeling and that it doesn't have to have such a negative connotation to it because, you know, it can be good. It, it, it can be good to experience that loneliness so you know how you function in, 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 in that space. Um, but I, I will say that loneliness for me is that notion of being 100% in a space where 
I'm trying to think of the right way to say it without it actually sounding sad. And I don't think there's any 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 real way. Can we edit this part out? Because now I just sound like. <laughs> yeah, you don't sound <laughs> dumb at all. I will edit yeah, this out. Stop. You don't sound dumb at all. But I um no. I agree with what you said. And like, um, I don't know if that's like the textbook definition um, that Google gave you, which sounds so depressing. Um, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't see it as how they described it as well. Kind of like what you said. And I love what you said about like loneliness doesn't necessarily need to be negative. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we need to experience loneliness. Um, like you said, in order to understand ourselves and understand like who we are when we're in that space. Um, and, and yeah, so like, like similarly, I think for me, loneliness, I would describe again, like you said, like a feeling. And for me, I said a feeling or a sense of, um, lost connection. And, uh, for me, I think it's like, it could be mostly connection to self. Mm. Like when you lose a sense of connection to yourself, when you feel unmoored, where you, where you essentially don't know who you are, I feel like that is the loneliest place to be. And I feel like it could also be in relation to you feel like you've lost connection to others as well. Um, and I mean like more emotional connection than like physical. Like I don't feel like loneliness has anything to do with physicality for me, no. but more so, yeah, like this internal pervasive, like I'm feeling disconnected from myself. Right. And how do I get back? Right. Yeah. And you see, like for me, um, I, oddly enough, I don't know why. And we've talked about like this whole astrology thing and mm-hmm. you know, being a Scorpio. Apparently, one thing that I did learn is that we are pr- prone to a lot of feelings of melancholy, loneliness. Um, and so I love diving into those like almost negative or perceived as negative spaces um, because they are almost unchartered for the most part. People tend to stay away from them. And for me, that that that's why I said that loneliness has never come across as as a negative thing. And I've never considered it in that sense where, like, you feel completely detached from people. Um, But it it does make complete sense because I have experienced it within this quarantine in a way that I never that I never have. And also because, you know, that I came down here and. I don't really know anybody in Atlanta. The people that I do know are pretty far. Um, and I don't know why I never attached that whole, like, that 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 part of, like, you don't feel attached to anybody. And not that I like that, but um, I can definitely understand how you how you explained it. And it, it, it gave me a new little light on the whole definition of loneliness. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we all experience it, like, differently. Um but yeah, I, I noticed like, for me, I was in denial for a long time that like I ever felt lonely <laughs> mm. um, because like you said, I think maybe the negative connotations like associated with it. Like I didn't want to feel like a desperate, needy person like, oh, you know, um, right. and then I think also too, like in terms of, like you said, astrology, which kind of like is a snapshot of our like in internal world or like the the lessons and the journeys that we're going to encounter through this life. Like I also have Scorpio placements like in my chart. Um, so I too tend to one, like, like to be alone. I enjoy being alone. (laughs) It is is the best. Yeah. Like I enjoy, I enjoy being alone. And I also like, but like the, 
downside of that is like, I sometimes have a tendency to self isolate and cut myself off from people and kind of just turn inwards, which isn't bad. But like, for me, I do it to a degree where like, I do it too much. And then I have a hard time pulling myself back out and being like, okay, world, I'm ready to engage again. Instead, I'll just be in my fucking shell. Like I was just now for like seven (laughs) months. Like, I mean, quarantine happened, but. (laughs) Right. And can I say like, I don't know if you experienced uh, this part, but for me, I find that essentially it's not hard coming back out into like the world, like saying like, okay, I'm ready to socialize again. Um, Not on my part. I find that it's harder on the parts of, uh, on other people. Mm -hmm. And, and I can understand that too, right? Like most people will be like, well, you haven't kept constant communication with me. I haven't seen you this long. You haven't called me. You haven't texted me. And it's just like, I think so many people have a tendency to take it personal instead of realizing like, it's not you. It, it, it's a me thing. And it's not a negative thing. And I wasn't necessarily going through this like horrible bout of depression because I was alone. No, I just, this is my way of recharging and, and, and accessing my creativity, my spirit, you know, like, honestly, that's a time where I take, where, when I take to think of other people and the things that I may have been lacking with them and that they need and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I find like that that usually it's more difficult for other people to accept my those times when I kind of just like retreat and then want to come back in. And yeah. but you know, we I think you always say the same thing too, is that for me, I'm very much the type of person like we may not talk for God knows how much, but I'm going to pick up right from where we left off the last time. I agree. Like we we talk about this quite often because we are not um our friendship isn't one that's like sustained through like constant communication. Right. And I actually have that with the majority of my friends. I am not in constant communication with just right. like that is generally not the type of person that I am. But, um, but I always say like, yeah, like we can always pick right back up and I'll still, you'll still feel like a sense of home. Like not that I'm, you know, looking to find home in other people, but there'll right. still be that sense of like comfort there, the sense right. of joy, that sense of like reconnecting. Um, but yeah, I, that's so interesting to think about, like how other people may perceive like us sort of doing like a internal retreat. Um, cause I think it has hurt people. I can, you know, acknowledge that. And I think for my part, what I have to learn how to do and what you said kind of just triggered this thought for me is like, tell people these things. Like I'm more willing to just go, go, go. Yeah. Uh, but but right as as you get older and you you learn like okay I do need there there is a part of you that needs to communicate what it is that you are going through at that moment and that essentially it is not that you're going through something it's just that this is you expressing and taking your time to do whatever it is that you need to do for yourself um, and like you said telling people just saying like hey I this is how I function this is what I need this is what I don't need this is what I do in this time in this space and has nothing to do with you and I've learned that the one thing you can do with anybody so that they can is just tell them the truth because so many people feel like they need to consistently say something else to make somebody feel better it's just like no 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 because then you have to deal with that later I tell people I know most people might not function this way, but when I tell you something, it is exactly what I am telling you. I, and it's nothing more than that. I need my space, but when we come back, like I'm back in it. And 
Yeah. Let's pick up from where we were. That's it. Yeah. And it also, I think it allows people also to make the conscious decision of like accepting or, or not accepting that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They could say, okay, like I'm willing to, to rock with you as you go through your process, as I learn, you know, that you're a more independent soul or whatever it is. And there might be some people who are like, I can't function like that. Mm. And I've had those friendship or otherwise. And that's okay too. Like, I think that's where the fear comes to like that fear of rejection a little bit on our end of like, if people really knew like who I was, like would they stick around? And it's like, some people are not going to, people know. but you know what, what, what's crazy is that I like, like I was saying before is that I have found that as soon as you tell people exactly what it is, they, they connect and they may not like it, but they always respect it. If it comes from a genuine place and honest place and, and, and I feel like it makes them feel closer to you because most people's tendency is to hide those parts of themselves that the world considers to be negative. And, and that's what I love about like this whole, this whole notion of people being enlightened and, and learning to be free is that like, let's just accept people for, for how they are. That we're all to a certain point, selfish, needy, worried, struggling, happy, you know, like these are just emotions that are here and coming and moving and going. And let's stop holding on to like, it needs to be this. It needs to be this with everybody because if you're throwing a template on every single person, you're only going to be met with contention every single time because nobody is exactly the same. You know, like I always say, like we have so many similar traits and that is what makes us unique at the same time. But nobody, you and I are not the same. You you and your twin are not even the same, you know? I agree completely with what you're saying. And I feel like I, I had the opportunity to realize how I was putting so many expectations on people within, re- relate, like, within relationships to behave in the way in which I wanted them to behave, um, which is just so unfair. And like, ultimately only left me feeling sick and hurt because I was just disappointed again and again. And I was just like, you need to let go of these expectations and let people be who they are. And either like we were saying before, you're going to rock with it and you're going to accept it. Or you're going to say, I can't, I can't be in this kind of, you know, friendship or whatever it is. And you got to let go. But if you're going to decide to keep going with it, then you know, you can't be huffing and puffing every time. Every single time. <laughs> you don't get yeah. what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, facts. Even though I grew up as a very angry and, like, child, like, I enjoyed at one point all that huffing and puffing. Because that's how my home situation was, right? It was like, if my mom didn't get what she wanted, it was instant yelling. You know, my father was kind of the same way. And that, that I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk more about that with the whole risk-taking and whatever, but you know, that, that notion, not notion, but learning how to move past like your childhood behaviors and how much they impact you now. And, and, and just what you were saying that whole, like, either it's this or it's that, and if it's not go. And that, that doesn't have to be negative too. That somebody's saying to you, I can't deal with this. And, you know, like, okay, by all means, please, if you can't be in this relate, I wish you the best. There's no animosity. Oh, that is so healing. That is so 
good because I used to want to hold on to everything and everyone and, and nonstop and you needed it. And for me, that all came from, you know, being, again, growing up and not getting the love that, that, that I felt I deserved or that I needed as a kid. And then you challenge everybody to leave your life when technically you don't want them to. And then when they do, you're angry. And when they stay, you're angry and learning, like, just let it go. And if you come back, you come back. If you leave, you, if you stay out there, then you stay out there. Like we good. I don't, I, I, I just no longer want to have any hate animosity towards anybody. Let's yeah. Bob, let's. Uh, amen. Amen to that. Like, <laughs> I think yeah. it's like the older we get, the, the less, you know, mental space we have for, you know, drama. It's just like, yeah, that shit is crazy. <laughs> I'm still going through it. Like at, at 31, like I'm, there's still situations coming up where I'm like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> let's unpack that right now because you're feeling triggered. <laughs> And have you, have you like gotten to a place where when somebody is like that, where they're very triggered or where they become angry at your decisions, um, you become more sympathetic. That, that is something I'm, I'm experiencing and realizing, like, I used to feel that everybody's emotions when it came to something we were dealing with were always about me and realizing that we are just nonstop always projecting and that no matter what anybody says, it is always about them. Yes. Always, always, always about them, you know? And I, I shouldn't say always, for the most part, 98%, 99%, it is about them. You know, sometimes we get to, well, we say things and we feel this made me feel this way because you did whatever, whatever is valid. Um, but, you know, now that I have people sitting here and telling me, oh, well, you did this to make me feel this way or you did or something happened. It's just like you realize where they are spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and you learn to to have compassion for it and say, like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Or, you know, maybe you saw it this way. Uh, compassion has been another thing that 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 has come with that whole notion of being alone uh here in in quarantine yeah i think that's that's a great point and that is kind of like beautiful how you put it how your capacity for empathy and compassion for others grows as you experience like these moments of isolation which is i mean that's really what we need <laughs> in this world when we come down to it is like it like you said we're so caught up in our perspective our motivations our feelings and our needs that um sometimes we we just forget to take a step back and be like what what could possibly be going on with the other person on the other side of this thing where i'm feeling like they're intentionally doing this to hurt me no right. it's only like a few very malicious people in this world who are intentionally like I'm gonna fuck your shit up. Right. Like, <laughs> most people yeah. not doing that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's all ugh, it's all a part of the process, the never ending process. But I think we may have spoken about, we may have touched upon this um, a little bit. But I would say, like, what is the difference you think between being alone and being lonely? Mm, um, I think for me, the difference is we are always alone. And alone, alone is a state of being. Loneliness to me is a feeling, right? Like even though we are speaking right now, we are technically alone. I'm alone in my head, even while we talk sometimes. 
Uh, you could be alone in a in a group of people. Uh, alone is not in any way something that I see as as a negative. It's a state of being. That's so interesting. Um, you phrased it that way because for me, I. I saw being alone as like being physically alone. Like, as you said, like you're in your house alone and I'm in my home alone as we are um, recording this. Our subconscious thoughts, our, our conscious daily dialogue that's running in our heads, no one else can hear and they can only get what we choose to share. Um, so that is a sense of, of being alone. And you're right, we, we are alone uh, pretty much always, which I never really thought about it like that, which seems kind of, kind of daunting in a way when you think about it. Like, we're alone. What are those yeah. <laughs> we're going to be alone forever. We're alone. <laughs> My head just went. Oh, I exploded you. That's you amazing. exploded me. That made me feel good. That made yeah. me feel good. And like, because I, I do think like, for me, I, I saw like being alone, like people need to learn how to physically be alone, how to spend time alone with yourself. Um, and loneliness as being like, like you said, like the feeling component of it, like a more internalized thing. So I feel like being alone is fine and necessary and we should all, you know, spend some time alone. And then loneliness, I feel like is in a more like, there's some sort of disconnect going on happening internally that needs to be like addressed. Um, and, and yeah, cause it, like you said, like you can be in a crowd of people and you're technically, you're not alone. But you can feel lonely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know what? Well, when you when you say like um, that, it's loneliness is like a detachment that needs attention. Um, I, I I can't say that I one hundred percent feel that way mm-hmm. that needs attention because, like I was saying before, was that I don't necessarily see loneliness as a bad thing because you could mm-hmm. be detached, but it. I don't think that it necessarily is a need for attention to to fix that that form of loneliness unless it gets to a point where you're so lonely that you don't care about the outside world and that you shut it down completely but that's why I think that's how I function with almost everything in life there that that it's it's such a broad spectrum right because you could be happy and then you can be ecstatic and but lonely is loneliness is one of those words that it never changes like how it's written, how it's pronounced, but it, it, it can fluctuate in such an extreme because I was a little bit lonely earlier today, you know, like where I was waking up at five in the morning by myself and feeling like I wish I had somebody to do that here with, you know, and then it was just like, but I could do it by myself. And you know, boom, the loneliness was, wait, so you, you see, this is the, my mind book that I go through. Cause technically then I gave it attention and I fixed it. You see, right. Complete contradictions. Uh, the human experience, right. Uh, us humans are just, we ain't shit. None of us ain't shit. <laughs> that is so funny because what I think is important about what you said is that there's no need to attach a negative or positive emotion or I don't know. There's no need to attach right. or positive to loneliness. Like it just is. And I kind of like that because if we see it as a negative, then I think then that's when it becomes and everyone's running around like, I'm afraid to be lonely. I don't want to be lonely. I can't be lonely. I need someone. Please yeah. love me. And it's just like, oh, no. Chill. <laughs> yeah. 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 It just is. Like, it's just a part of the That's it. That's it. And that's and that's the best part, too. Right. It's just when you learn that that all these experiences, all these feelings and all these emotions 
come and they go and 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 you you you, you just can't hold on to them you know but you need to experience them at their fullest capacity at the moment that they hit you uh, i think that what will what started my like journey in self growth and whatever i think you remember i went to that vipassana meditation retreat for 10 days where it was like legit meditation 14 16 hours a day and uh, the leader of that meditation said he was just like we consistently crave this to be happy and and within our craving to be happy and avoidance of being in those states of and he said loneliness and or unhappy we don't realize that we are creating a negative space because we are desiring something that we are not experiencing right now so we're cutting it off he was like the peace that you search in life is that notion of equanimity and understanding that you're going to be happy and just pray that if you want that happiness that it lasts however long it lasts but when it leaves let it leave and that there is nothing wrong with being in these in these spaces of of sadness and loneliness and adversity and to of course you don't want to call it and be like yes give me some loneliness and and some sadness i need it but you know experience it and and the beauty is that you know when is it that we grow when is it that 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 we realize who we are as people it's never when we're happy it's always when we're down in the trenches when we're sad when we're lonely because it forces us to say why am i here how am i here how do i want do i want to stay here what do i need to be out of here you know and and to me that's the beauty sometimes i take it to an extreme where i'm just here nonstop in that lonely and sadness and the world is like come out of it please come out of it but you know i think that has been like one of the bigger lessons is just equanimity equanimity to everything now do i master that all the time hell fucking no but i think i was telling you before when we spoke outside of uh, of recording this podcast um was oh that's what it was that you know when you when you begin to experience something and you go through something and you realize that that's not who you want to be or how you want to be or how you want to function or you think too much in your head you, you you know we want that instant change and that and 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 that instant progress and you'll notice you're changing when you're not letting yourself dive into those spaces for as long as you used to before or think about something and dwell about something as much as you were before and you know. a lot of what you just said like wow that was really beautiful and uh yeah. powerful I especially love that part where you said like when we're in that no, I mean, no one's in a in a consistent all the time space of like, you know, happiness or whatever, because that's just not realistic. But um, even though we can all have daily moments of happiness, but <laughs> I like I love what you said about like it's in the moments of like the loneliness and those spaces that um God, how did you put it? You you phrase it so beautifully that we grow. Yeah. They force us to grow. Yeah. yeah. And the crazy part is that this is my slight conspiracy theory part of my life um, is that I feel that a lot of the world purposely makes those, those emotions and feelings, loneliness, sadness, worry, um, so negative because they are what forces us to grow. And if we can keep people from growing, 
we don't let them reach their full potential. So we put these negative connotations on things. You know, it's just like that notion of like almost every superhero movie. It's just like they were told they were dumb and skinny and not good enough. And then you realize it's because they've had all this power and it's all these people who have seen that power before them. And they're like, no, 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 no. You cannot be stronger than me. You cannot be smarter than me. You are not that. And like, fuck that. I am, you know, like I am this strong. I am this intelligent. And I think that, you know, that's why we're consistently put in that space of, of like, that's not a good place to be. Yeah. Wow. I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I don't think that's a conspiracy theory at all. I mean, if you look at the way our society is set up, we're constantly chasing the high of, you know, I'm going to say materialism, of obtaining certain things, of attaining fame, obtaining right. success, power, whatever those things are that have been lauded to us as um, this will make you happy, this will make you a great person, this will make you, you know, whatever your your wildest dream is. And so, you know, we're all looking for certain cars, certain bags, certain mm. houses, certain careers. We want certain likes, a certain number of likes, a certain number of, you know, retweets. And I'm not saying that to shade anybody because no. I myself am in there. I too would like the likes and the retweets, please. You like and me both. Like- <laughs> on my way too, shit. Yeah, like, of course. <laughs> of course, like, we are, we are human and you know, we all want to be affirmed in yeah. a way. Um, the thing is, like, that they don't want us to know, like you said, is, like, you have to affirm yourself before mm-hmm. anyone else can. Because then yeah. you're constantly, again, looking outwards for someone to tell you that you're good, that you're beautiful, that you're smart, that you're worth anything. And it's now, you know, in my early 30s that I'm coming to this understanding of, like, you cannot look for home, as I mentioned, in other people, when you will feel your loneliness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even in that, right? Like you, we, most of us end up doing that. We search for home in other people. We hit that stage of sadness, loneliness, depression, and we go into it only to realize that we need home ourselves. It's growth. It's, it, it's here. Like we were talking about it before, right? You make all these steps and all these moves and you do all these things and you move places only to realize that you're stuck with the same problems, the same feelings, the same things. And home is like, you went so far to come all the way back here. <laughs> yeah. But um, on that note, y'all, we're going to head to our first break and we will be right back with our main topic segment. And we're back from our cute little break or, you know, Jara running downstairs to get her laundry out of the dryers. So. <laughs> Amen. We do what we got to do, y'all. We do what we got to do. So, um, yeah, guys, this is our main topic discussion known as the stoop. And this is where we get real, put our satin bonnets on, take our bras off. I just love saying that, even though, like, half the people I talk to on the show, like, do not wear neither a bonnet nor uh, a brassiere um, bra. So. <laughs> fact, fact. But it made me want to have a set in bonnet and a bra just so I could <laughs> take it off and get comfortable. <laughs> you know, it's the, point. it's the whole point. We all need to feel a little, in the words of Rolling Ray, purr. <laughs> okay, so sorry. As I mentioned today, y'all, sorry being silly. Um, As I mentioned, today we are talking about risk taking or you know taking that leap of faith and um 
the reason I wanted to speak to you about this specifically is because you are a creative, you know, when I met you back in high school, like you were dancing. Um, and then right. as we entered like early adulthood, you transitioned into like acting. Right. You've always been involved in like the creative, you know, arts in some way, shape or form. And, you know, there's always risk involved when you Facts. pursue your talents and your passions, you know? So I just wanted to talk to you about that. And we both, you know, have made moves that may have seemed like risque to inner circle or what have you. And, um, you know, and they were right. So. <laughs> oh, damn right. <laughs> so I just want to, you know, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, but like what has been um, the biggest or one of the biggest, you know, personal risks that you have taken? Um, for me, 100% moving to Atlanta is I would say probably the biggest biggest risk but right below that it would be when I made the transition from um, going to school to be a pilot and then switching over to saying like fuck this I've always wanted to just be 100% creative and really just coming out and saying like I want to act and that's what I've always wanted wanted to do with my life um yeah, so it has, it, it's between those two, but Atlanta, why I say that that is my my absolute biggest is because while I haven't found 100% my footing in Atlanta or like my tribe in Atlanta, a lot of that has to do with the pandemic, it is where I can finally say that I have found a lot of myself and it has forced me to to really sit down because I I, I have so much time to myself to just say like, what is it that you need, that you want? What are you struggling with? Uh, you know, what are these parts of you that can be negative? Um, and what are those parts of you that can be positive and highlighting, working on the things that I need to, to, to remove from my life? Um, and Atlanta definitely has given me that and, and uh, a form of confidence mm-hmm. and peace in myself that, that I couldn't have in New York because I was surrounded by my old self um, so 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 thoroughly. I mean, you know, when you grow up in the hood, um, most people might not consider Sunset the hood. Shout out to Sunset. Shout out to Sunset uh, Park. Um, but, you know, uh, for me, Sunset hood is... Adjacent. It was like hood adjacent. It was a pretty... Decent neighborhood, I think. <laughs> Do you not remember the people getting shot and stabbed in the park? I very, I really don't. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, RIP to those people. Um, Facts. Not Facts. trying to minimize, you know, people's lives. I think it was like, I think I say hood adjacent because it wasn't like the projects or like our understanding right. of what the projects was. Um, I think even though, you know, as a woman of color, um, I felt relatively safe, like, you know, within our however many block radius, because right. you know, different parts of Sunset meant different things. But like, I felt pretty safe, like walking home at night by myself and, and stuff of that nature. But there will, there's always, I mean, for me as a woman or whatever, there's always a, a, a sense of like being alert, never right. like far down. But um, it was definitely, you know, it was a majority um, people of color community, a largely right. Hispanic and Latino and Asian. And most of us, you know, a lot of us were low income and you know, relied on public assistance. Like 
that's just what it is. <laughs> that's what it is, right. And you know what's um, a little complete side note, shout out to every woman alive right now, because um, as I continue to get older, uh, it dawns every day on me in a new way, the type of struggle that you guys have to, that you ladies have to encounter every moment of your life. Um, and one thing that really started to highlight that to me was walking behind this young woman who for all intents and purpose, right, physical appearance, beautiful body, uh, clearly I didn't see her face as I was walking behind her at the moment, pretty. And in what happened of like a four or five block radius, it was just this constant beratement of like, mommy, ven pa acá, culo bueno, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, do you deal with this every single time? And she was like, this is mild today compared to what every day is like. And it broke my heart because it just made me realize like, I know that as a Dominican man, I go through my set of, you know, like racism, setbacks, and people see me a certain way. Um, but it almost pales in comparison to the stories that you hear of women going through. Um, so just a, a, a little side note. Um, but yeah, so the hood in, 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 in uh, hood adjacent in Sunset Park, which I kind of forgot what we were talking about because of my side note with, uh, with, with, with women. Oh yeah. How dangerous it, it, it kind of was. So <laughs> <laughs> when you said that you always, for the most part felt safe, but alert, um, I 100% agree with that as well, because when I got here to Atlanta, for some reason, I was in a constant state of, of like, close the doors, people are going to come, because all I read was like, home theft here, car theft is through the roof, you know, and, and every way, everything that I did was with that notion of like, something's going to happen. And finally, I was just like, let me look up the crime in Sunset Park. And I was like, holy fucking God. Oh my goodness. And, and while I did- bliss, boo. Ignorance. Right, right, right. <laughs> and while I did see my share of like, I, I, I genuinely remember um, I was coming right on the corner. I was right on the corner when uh, this guy got stabbed at the PS314 playground when I was a kid. Um, and I remember the one time that, that the gang guy came and shot the other guy because he said something about his brother. And, you know, those were intense moments. But for the most part, I did always feel safe in Sunset Park. And then you go and see just how much crime goes around you. And you're just like, well, it wasn't that safe at all. And here I was in Atlanta where, I mean, literally it paled in comparison to New York. And I was scared shitless for the first few months. Um, but that could also be that it was my first time literally living alone in, um, in a different, in a different uh, state. Yeah. You know what? You know what just popped into my head? I'm sorry that we're going to go on another tangent. <laughs> how crazy is our story of, like, how we met? Uh, how crazy is our story of how we met? Um, <laughs> we met? We met at school. We met at school. But remember, we had a mutual friend. We didn't know at that time where was our mutual friend. And then we met in Spanish class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Where I helped you cheat your way to a great grade. <laughs> The crazier part that we ended up, we lived in the same apartment um, like you after I moved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you moved into the same apartment and 
we didn't even know that. And it's almost like fate brought us together in in this uh, beautiful way. Shout out to Sunset Park, making <laughs> lives happen, changing lives, creating miracles. What the fuck? You shout out to the city that made us. <laughs> 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 Sorry, y'all. Back to Rich. Back to it. Um, yeah, so you're saying your decision to to move to Atlanta, even though you didn't know anyone down there. Um, I mean, you knew someone, like, people outside of Atlanta, but Atlanta, the city yeah. itself, um, you didn't know anyone. And you were essentially just uprooting your life and taking the risk to um, to do that, one, to, to better your career. I mean, I'm going to you could speak for yourself, but like better your career to better your opportunities. And also, um, did you feel maybe confined or anything like in, in Brooklyn or? I, there was a lot going on in my life when I decided to make that change. Uh, I'll be honest and say that I had like ended a, a very long-term relationship years prior and it was still dwelling in my head. Um, I was having a lot of issues with my best friend at the time. I mean, you can attest to that as well. Um, My career had started to um, not take a nosedive, but that like beginner's luck started to plateau. Mm -hmm. And I was going through just a lot of, of sadness at that time in my life. And I also realized that whenever I was in a situation or around a lot of people, they always had the experience of living somewhere else. And I remember going to Parsons and studying a design management class and every single student had lived in like four or five other countries. And I was just like, (laughs) no, only from Brooklyn, Sunset Park. (laughs) That's all I know. You know, and it really made me feel like, damn, that's hard. Uh, and one day I was coming out of my, um, my acting studio, shout out to Penny Templeton and Hank Show for some of the most amazing people. And you met them that, yes. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We went, uh, you the took me to my first class. Uh, I mean, yeah. so technically you are the reason why I'm acting and I appreciate you for that. Uh, but so I remember coming out of the studio and just feeling this overwhelming sense of, of like, I didn't know what was happening and and what direction I wanted to go. And I thought that, like, I'm sure almost every actor, like, shit was going to pop off. I was going to be on da-da-da and shooting that. And, you know, what was crazy is that from the moment that I started, it kind of went in that trajectory. I mean, two months in, I was doing Off-Broadway. Three months later, I was shooting a, like, national pharmaceutical um, ad. And I I booked, like, 10000 I got, like, $10,000. I was just like, oh, fuck. And then all of a sudden it just lulled out and I was working. Uh, but anyway, I was walking home and I ran into uh, Sophia. I think her last name is Sophia Stevens, who was one of the students in class. And we started catching up and she was just like, you know, you would do so great in Atlanta. And I was just like, I don't know who's going to go down there. You know, I had heard that Atlanta was picking up. But then I got home. And of course, you know, I did the nonstop, can't stop thinking at home and I was on the computer and I started looking up Atlanta and the business in the the industry down here. And I was like, it's really good. And then I started looking up the demographic and I saw that it was like 500,000 white people in the center of Atlanta, 550,000 black people uh, in the center of Atlanta, which kind of made me good. I was just like, ha ha, we, we up there. We, we more than the, than the white folks. <laughs> Um, and then what 
solidified my decision was that there were 15,000 Hispanic people. And out of those people, there were only about 80 to 100 actors. And that was just like, oh my God, this, I'm going into, you know, a smaller pond, but technically a bigger fish, if you will. Um, and it just made me feel like that's the right move to make. You know, it's going to clear up all these things in my life as far as just wanting to move, wanting to be in a different space, wanting to 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 see how I would function completely alone and that it would help my career. And from that moment, it was just like there was nothing else that could change my mind because it, it almost settled me. It made me feel like there's no other decision you need. It, it, it felt right. I felt like I, for the first time in my life, I was making a decision that was positive for me. Of course, everybody around was just like, this is stupid. You shouldn't be doing it. Um, and to a certain degree, they were right. You know, I came down here and I, Atlanta was just like, boom, 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 boom with the punches and, yeah. and finance and everything kind of went completely left. And I didn't get to focus on my acting. Um, and then of course the pandemic hits and then it's just like, the acting market went down and whatever. Um, I think like, um, one, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Like, <laughs> obviously like we're friends. So I knew <laughs> but, like, thank you for sharing, um, sharing that with, with everyone. And I think like what's interesting is what you said is you talked about the headspace that you were in prior to making that decision. And I think that's always like important to look at when we are taking these risks or that leap of faith, because, mm-hmm. um, my mine, I would say, involved moving as well. Um, and I think my my risk was like, I feel like I've taken several, but I would say like the really big one was when I decided to like leave my job at Lutheran of like nine years, and I quit that job, and I was like, I'm out of here. Like I'm leaving, mm-hmm. and I don't know what I'm gonna do career wise. I just graduated from Brooklyn College, and I was like, but it's not this. Like. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sometimes it, and then I, I left that job and I ended up taking um, a volunteer job, which some of y'all might hear this and be like, bitch, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you left your job to go volunteer? Um, sure did. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> um, yes, I did. And <laughs> I did that uh, all the way in California. So not only did I like quit this job that I had had for nine years, I completely like uprooted my life to go all the way across the country. Of course, yeah where I knew no one, again, um, I knew no one had never been there before. And I went to Napa, which is like Northern California. So way smaller, less diverse. (laughs) That's what blew my mind was that you went to Napa. It was was a decision. Like I'm not, it was a decision. And similar to you, my headspace at the time was, I was admittedly unhappy. Um, with where I was, with what I was doing. Um, I wasn't happy with, with myself. And um, there was a lot of like emotional and financial turmoil going on in my home at the time. And I, it just felt like, like everything was closing in on me and right. I just had to get out. Um, and that may be like that fight or flight response mm-hmm. know, that, that hits in some of us. And, and it's just like, you got to move. Like you just got to move. Yeah. Just you'll deal with whatever the consequences are, but you cannot stay here. And it felt like this seems so dramatic, but it felt like imperative to my survival. Yeah. Yeah. 
that I get out. (laughs) And I think for me, I kind of like, as one does, you romanticize and you idealize what that move will be because we, we had spoken about this off, you know, off, um, offline, but we had said like, kind of like for me, and I've done this several times, like every time I get to a new place, I'm just like, okay, it's, it's over for you bitches. Like Jara is here. She's improved. (laughs) She's All this stuff, you know? Boom. And you just think like, it was the place, it was the people, like that was what was, you know, holding me back or whatever, or making me feel any sort of way. And then you get to the new environment. And at first, everything's always great because it's new, it's exciting, it's nervousness, you're meeting Mm -hmm. people, you know, fortunately, I had like um, a job, a volunteer experience. So I was, um, I had like something to do, I had structure, which, you know, for me is vital, like structure is vital for me to to just, I don't know, operate as like a human being. Like I need routine. I, I can't lie. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, having that helped me, you know, at first I was like, hey, I'm living my best life. I got new friends. I'm, you know, we going to house parties. I, you know, I've got these new roommates who are awesome. I'm learning to live on my own for the first time. Like I'm having to cook for myself for the first time. And it's amazing and overwhelming all at the same time. Right. But I kid you not, and so many of y'all maybe listening can relate, or those of you who thought about this, like it always catches up to uh, whatever you are running from. Yeah. It will catch up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. And it is amazing, like in those moments, how you have to learn to draw from a, like some sort of reserve within yourself because it can be almost debilitating. Like it, it's a sense of like, homesickness, questioning your, your decision-making, questioning your own identity uh, yeah, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 thing is, for me, and I don't know if it was the same for you, is you realize that it was just your body telling you, like, you just need to fix the situation right now. Or, like, and and sometimes the fix is for some people to make that huge drastic change, and it does change everything for them and kudos to you if it does you know um and but uh, that's one of the things that the this move and the that this move has really done for me is just make me realize like listen to your body your body is never going to lead you incorrect every time that you feel those feelings of sadness or worry or like that you need this change your body's telling you yeah you do need this change but and make the change but you're still going to have to deal with the core issue and until you find that core issue you're going to keep going through the change and it's going to and you're going to just keep going in that in that in the in that huge cycle you know yeah um i forgot what else i was going to what i was going to tell you oh that was like how did you survive that whole volunteer that's what i've always wanted to ask you is how you survived this whole volunteer experience because i remember you were making only like four hundred dollars a week or something like that right um I mean, that was with au pairing. I was only making $400 a week. And that's another risk that, um, I mean, we may or may not have enough time to get into today, but like, whew, that was, <laughs> that was hard. Um, and that happened around my solar return, which is like when, um, I believe it's like Saturn returns to the place where it was like during your birth. And it's usually around like, it, it kicks up around 27, but 27 to 29 when like your whole sense of being and what, how you've been operating and, and what you've been doing flips upside down yeah. and you really have to evaluate like who you are so like as I was making these these 
giant leaps and, and taking these risks. It was like right at the time of like my solar return of like being like 27 and stuff. So I was just getting like, felt like I was just getting beat up from just like yeah. all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all angles. Um, which now reflecting back was, was necessary. Like it was, it's all necessary. There's a purpose to, to everything. There were so many things that I was not addressing. Uh, so many things within myself, my own traumas, my past, you know, my childhood things, um, fears, so many fears and anxieties that I had that I wasn't acknowledging, wouldn't allow myself to acknowledge. So it all, it all happened uh, for a reason. And I'm incredibly grateful for it now, having made it to the other side of that, even though, you know, evolution life it'll happen again you continue. yeah but um yeah. in california it <laughs> it was so it was a volunteer program called americorps and you get a stipend um that you live off of because you're working so many hours that you you cannot get employment um right. elsewhere unless you would try to do it on the weekends or something but you have to fulfill i think it's 1700 hours within a school year and it was working with like children yeah like you know, inner city, you know, children, not inner city. It was not the city. Um, <laughs> uh, mainly children of color, low right. income families. Um, and it was tutoring and mentoring. And um, it was, it was a lot. Like it was, it was a lot because <laughs> like knowing who, who I am um, and, you know, I hate when people are like, I'm the type of person, blah, blah. But in this instance, like, I do find myself as a naturally empathetic person, but for me, I can take that to the other side, which can be um, codependency, which right. is when it becomes unhealthy and toxic, toxic and stuff. So having to balance the emotional well-being of like so many children, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I was mentoring and tutoring upwards to like I think over 30 kids over the course wow. of the school year. So just wow. constantly being bombarded with that, like uh, with the people that I was working with who I'm still friends with and, you know, love and adore and care about and stuff. It was a lot that I was taking on. And I mentioned like there was a lot of emotional and financial turmoil happening at home. And that didn't end just because I removed myself from the situation. Yeah. So I thought like the physical distance would help me mentally and emotionally distance myself and that did not happen so not at all yeah. i remember you being like oh you're sending money home and even me at one point i overstepped and i was just like what are you doing and you were just like it's what has to happen and you know like i was like she's right i don't even know why i would interject in her life like that but no but like i mean you were right and so many people were right but again like that codependency i yeah. could not separate myself because you know, seeing people hurting, suffering in any way, like just hurt me so badly that I was just like, yeah. I, I have to fix these yeah. things, things that are not understand that my, pain. My making, yeah. yeah, or my doing. So yeah. we were getting twelve hundred dollars a month as a stipend, and wow. uh, we also had, we had to pay for our own housing. So I was using that money to pay for the housing that I had. Um, I did not drive, but obviously needed to get around. So like, I had I bought myself a bike. I mean. Yeah, and you got killer thighs and calves. Yes, I did. My legs popping. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was tough. And then, you know, my family was struggling, so I was still trying to assist them. But I was making a fraction of what I had been making. Yeah. And had done that, kind of made that leap being like, this is how you're going to detach, Jared. Like, you've got to stop because it's just going to keep consuming you. 
and I and I couldn't like I oh my god like I I was using credit cards to pay like the utility bills at home like it just you got me both. bad <laughs> yeah but isn't that like but you see I don't know if it's the same for you I while I hate those moments of my life because I was the same at one point I was trying to support my acting career and paying my credit card with my credit card and that's like the biggest fucking no no right um but uh like those are the moments that I hate so much, but that now I love so, so dearly because they are who they, those moments are shaping exactly who I am now and making me realize, like, I don't ever want to get back to that to that spot. But that spot is what made me realize, like, I need to change this about myself or I need to become a little bit more this and and, and focus more on my my well-being and my sanity. Um, and I love what you were saying before about that whole like that a 27, 29 age where, you know, your body Saturn comes back into your into your birth. Mm-hmm. And for me, a lot of it was realizing that I was functioning from the space of my parents and everything that they had instilled in me that I was just like, no, I, I don't believe that. And, and I think a lot of us go through that where we realize like we're doing things because we were told to do them. They're generational. Uh, we feel we process because of how our fe- parents felt in process. At one point I was, re- I realized I only got BP gas because my mom was like, that's the best one. And that's the only one you get. And I was here like, only getting BP gas because that's the best one and that's the only one you can get. And it was just like, no, that's not, that's not true. That's not based on anything. And I was functioning from that space. And I was around that same age where it was just like, no, you begin to think like, okay, I need to function from my space, from what I like, from what I don't like. And sometimes, you know, what you like may be nasty and rude and whatever, but if that makes you happy, then it makes you happy. And, and, you know, like there's that beauty in finding out exactly what you need for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And um and I have misspoke before. It's like it's called Saturn's return. <laughs> and a solar go. a solar return is is your birthday. Um <laughs> when the sun, you know, gets back to where it was. But uh, yeah, Saturn's yeah. return. And that shit is no joke. Um, but yeah, it really it really does make you address all the old systems and ways you had of being and thinking and and feeling and it it really just it rips them up from the root and makes you analyze almost every single one of them. And you got to be like, keep, don't keep, keep, don't keep, keep, don't keep. So it's beautiful, but it's incredibly painful. (laughs) um, And that's not for everybody. Some of you might be at that stage right now or have been at that stage and was like, that's when I live my best life. That's when I came into myself and like, yo, blessings. I'm envious. That's amazing. And I feel like I came into myself as well, but my rebirth process was like an like a little bit like an actual birth. Like it was it was painful. <laughs> it was hard. Like you went with no epidural too. No epidural. <laughs> you know, baby daddy gone. <laughs> like, you know, in there by yourself. Like, well, well, damn. So, and that's and that really is what it is. It is a rebirthing process, and these risks that you know we've taken are almost like rebirthing processes in and of themselves as well and i feel like um it's in this book um the alchemist by paulo coelho i was just gonna say that <laughs> yo the best book say it again so people hear it go buy it, it yes is- um it is called the alchemist and forgive me if i'm saying his name wrong but it's a brazilian uh author named paulo coelho i believe is how you say it and the alchemist um really uh, changed my life when I, when I read it. And part of what they're saying is like, when you 
are walking towards your purpose, when you are manifesting these things for yourself, like obstacles will arise and like keep going because that's how you know you're headed in the right direction. So had everything been easy breezy when I was doing these things, I think I would have, you know, I wouldn't have grown like you had mentioned earlier, like through this that we grow. But it also in some ways, like every time I've encountered an obstacle, it just has reinforced for me like you're doing it like you're doing what you meant to be doing right. one you're doing what you said you would do which which is so powerful for me as someone mm-hmm. who has the biggest dreams um i can get lost in the dreaming and i can get discouraged by the dreaming very easily but when i'm able to actually live out one of those dreams like like you said like there's a confidence in you that does arise and knowing like I can do this. Like I can do mm-hmm. the thing. Like you don't have to doubt yourself. You don't have to be afraid. Like ever. Like the doubts for me came back. Like I wish I could say, you know, I had the experience in Napa and I learned right away from it. And I really took those lessons to heart and everything changed for me. And I, and I changed right away. I didn't, that it wasn't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. You know, it took going to California to Napa. Then I came back home for a little bit before I went to Madrid. And so, and then came back home, you know, been back home for three years now. So like this, that whole stretch of time, um, the last four or five years has really been that process for me. So, yeah. 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 I, and, and for, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, because sometimes I can go off on clearly on, on, on tangents and I don't want to seem rude or disrespectful to anybody um who who didn't go through the process the way that we did which seems very similar uh and that is that i find that whenever you like you said and just like the alchemist says that when you are in those moments where you are bettering yourself um you get met with so much conflict and it's usually never your own conflict it's conflict from everybody else who wants you to be the same person you were before and 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 with in re- that's that in i that's understandable to me right because all of a sudden to somebody else that seems like oh you're changing up um and what i learned is that it's usually those people things feelings are the ones you need to let go cuz those are usually the people who've been taking advantage of who you were before and they want that person to stick around right because when you better yourself you learn how to how to understand your emotion how you function how other people function what you want what you don't want what you will put up with and it's usually the people who are like whoa well you're doing this now and you're worried about this it's just like okay now you just revealed to me that 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 it's time to move on um and i and what i also love about this whole notion of of like fine working on yourself and making these big decisions and, and these moves is um, the notion of failure. I'm learning mm. to not look at that as, as a negative, right? And it's so easy for people who grew up the way that we grew up, you know, like low income, middle, low income, or whatever income you, you identify with. Poor, um, <laughs> poor, poor, right. Poor. Right. <laughs> with no monies in the past. Um, because while, while the notion of, Failure is a positive thing in my life now. You know, it's it's a hard ball to grasp that you can fail, that you most likely will fail because when you're poor, failure is not an opportunity for you. It's like a death sentence, right? You 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 save two three thousand dollars, which is astronomical if you're poor, to then think about, well, I'm going to start a business that 
90% of the time will not work. And, you know, so we, we, we almost have the luxury of failure taken away from us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm learning to be, to understand that, like, if worst case scenario is that I'm a bum on the street, well, guess what? I'm a bum on the street who did everything he wanted to do with his life. And this is just where I ended up. And I think what kicked that, uh, that notion of failure and looking at it as a positive was a quote that, uh, my God, my brain never works when I needed to. Uh, it was Winston Churchill. And he said that success consists of going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Mm. And I was like, oh, damn, say it again. So I will. Success consists of going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm and realizing that like, fuck it, fuck it. Worst case scenario, like if it just ends, to me at least, that's the worst case scenario, either death or you're homeless, right? Because usually those are the poorest people. And it's just like, well, if I fucking die, well then good, I'm going to heaven. Uh, if <laughs> God is uh, up there, whatever, or, and you know, and if you die, then the game is done mm-hmm. and you can finally rest. Cause that's what we all wanted just to stop for a damn second. Right. And if you end up homeless, then you end up homeless. And the thing is that like, just like in the alchemist, right. If you set your eye on the dream, and everything becomes about manifesting that dream. You're naturally going to get pulled to the side. You're going to get stuck in a, in a way. But if you can continuously believe in yourself and have that confidence, you can still be that bum on the street who ends up doing whatever he wanted to do. I mean, look at that that one guy from years ago that he always wanted to become a singer. And I don't think he achieved it because he ended up having kids. Long story, ended up becoming a bum on the street. Somebody one day heard him singing and then he became this overnight sensation because he had a beautiful voice. You know, I think we get so caught up in that our dream has to be this perfect fairy tale of like rags to riches. And the reality is that it is never that. It is you going through so much tribulation and losing so many people and and money and, and living in worry. And because that's the only way to get through your dream, right? Because if it was easy, then it wouldn't be a dream and nobody would want it. Yeah, that's so that's so true. Like, um, I think we forget that, you know, these things aren't linear. Like, you know, we don't just wake up, one. you know, obviously people don't wake up one morning and decide things. Some people do. I do sometimes, whatever. But like, <laughs> um, you make a decision to pursue something. We sometimes have the idea and envision it like, okay, well, I'm. I'm manifesting it and I'm doing certain works in regards to it. So that just means like it's the trajectory is straight. Yeah. Like I'm just going to go <laughs> straight up and you're just like, you know what happens when you go straight up? <laughs> yeah. You go straight um, down. Like, yeah. so it, it's not going to happen that way. Like what, you know, they always use that example of like, you know, success is, is like a curved line, a squiggly line, a zigzaggy line. Like, and that yeah. really is how it is. And so is, personal growth and development. Like it is not linear. Like, um, I love what you were saying about just like failure as not being perceived as a negative or a bad thing. Like one is like, we get to decide what the failure is if there is one. Right. We get to decide what it means and what to do with it. So, and there's always, you know, that lesson for me, for, I think I used to perceive like failing as this sort of fulfilling, filling the self prophecy that like I was bad or that I was stupid or that I was no good. Mm. So like 
anything that I wasn't naturally good at, I was like, nope, not yep. doing it. You're not going to see me looking stupid. Like, yep. Yep. <laughs> and you, you limit yourself in so many ways due to that. I, cer- I mean, I'm going to speak for myself. I certainly limited myself, you know, with that fear of failure. And then, like you said, it's only by like doing these things, taking these risks. And that's where the faith part comes in. It's like, yeah. you got to do them sometimes and literally just be like, on a wing and a prayer. Yeah. I believe that something is going to work out. And, Facts. Facts. Um, and every time you do take that jump, it almost always works out. That's the crazy yeah. part that when you finally say like, okay, if I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. And it's just kind of like, yeah, it gets hard. It gets difficult. And it never, it never happens how you want it to happen or at the time you want it to happen. It doesn't, but you always get it in some way, shape or form. You, it, it, it comes to you. And that to me is, is settling yes. enough. Yes. And I think for me, what you said just um, brought up this thought for me is like, the other half of that is like, are you going to be ready to receive it? Mm. Are you going to be ready to receive the thing that you want? Say it again! <laughs> because, Woo! and yeah. I'm speaking yeah. solely for myself, there have been instances where I got exactly what I wanted and was not in the space mentally and emotionally to receive the gifts and the blessings of it. Like, can uh, you, do you mind, like, would you be open to sharing what exactly that was for you? Yeah, like, I'm going to say my time in Madrid, my time abroad, like my, my goals, my dreams was to live abroad, like to live in another country, specifically in Europe. Like that's always been one of my wildest dreams, like traveling, is like a core essential part of me, you know, experiencing other people, other cultures. And so when I got to that space, when I was like, I did it, I'm Uh here and I'm here for like an indefinite amount of time. I went to Madrid on a one way ticket. Wow. I remember. I could afford, but. (laughs) Yes. I remember. I went out there on a one way ticket. I had a contract, but you know, the contract could have been extended. There were other mm-hmm. options and opportunities for me to to stay out there, to do grad school out there, to go to another country out there. Like, yes, there are obviously visas and things of that nature, but the opportunity was there. And I got what I wanted. And I was like, I'm living in one of like the oldest cities in the world. And I've got these friends and we're going out to cafes and I'm learning Spanish and I got this Spanish family. And <laughs> I can tell you, I... Like literally, I think when I was out there, I probably experienced what I would say was like my first real episode of depression. Wow. And it was so ironic to me that I was like, but you're here. You right. feel so bad. You're here. Like, what's wrong? Like, why are you not happy? Like, why isn't this the thing that's making you happy? And like, there were um, things outside of myself happening, like financially, again, right. stuff. Again, I'm going to bring up codependency and detachment. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I just was not in the space to receive all of that blessing. the blessings that were right. there. And yeah. I came home dejected. Like I was happy to be home, but I came home like feeling like I have failed. Like, yeah. you know, like we were talking about, and I felt like I failed. I was like, I, I just spent this, this year here and I got nothing to show for it. I don't got no fucking money. I was like, I don't have a job. I don't have a home. I was like, wow. <laughs> was you, and you know what's crazy? No. I, I never thought that that's what you were going through. 
that's I didn't want anyone to know what I was right, doing. right, 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 right. And I will say that I apologize that I didn't let you feel comfortable, or maybe I did, and you just didn't want to share. But that that you couldn't share those feelings with me. And I want you to know for the future uh-huh. that you can always share anything with me, no matter how big or or yeah. small or what it was. But like I I I understand that 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 sentiment of of you know coming back and and com- and being in that state. For me, that was again with my acting career. That you know here I was, for all intents and purposes, you know, faking the funk because I was pretending that I knew exactly what I was doing in this business. And it got me so far to the point where I had an agency, uh, a manager, like I had everything like right there that could have changed my career. And I didn't know what to do with it or how to handle it because I asked for it. And God was like, here you go. The universe was like, here you go. It's here. But I didn't prepare myself for that blessing because I was also at the same time, not doing the work that I needed to do to receive that blessing you know and uh, that's also a lot of what started my downward spiral of like sadness and depression mm-hmm. um and that eventually led me to 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 coming here and saying like okay when that blessing comes back around because i've been asking for it to come when i need it to be re- when i'm ready for it i'm going to be ready for it yes yes and what you said is vital you you have to prepare yourself to receive the thing that you are asking for, like, yeah. and it could be anything. Like for us, it may be more career related, like in in living and walking in our purpose and living right. our you know authentic life. And for you, that um, that is acting. And for me, it's this. Um, for me, it's always been like writing that sort of space, and and now this um, platform. But I think like in whatever way, for whoever you are, it could be like you trying to manifest this relationship with someone or whatever, you got to be prepared for the relationship you say that you want. You say you, mm-hmm. you want communication, you want whatever it is. Are you a person that can communicate? <laughs> yep, yep. And the thing is that we consistently want these things in other people because yes. we think that we can grab it from them. Yes! Like, no, homie, you ain't going to grab that shit. That shit is going to stay right there with them and you're going to exhibit every fucking behavior that you've been ignoring, thinking that if you ignore it, you're going to become something else and you can't fake the funk with that one. You can't fake Ooh. it until you make it. Exactly, exactly. And... I'm not saying this from a place of judgment. I'm saying from a, a lived experience, like, yeah, yeah. and we all do it in some way, shape or form. It's human, it's human nature. But like, like we said, coming home to yourself, um, growing, learning, like, don't be afraid of these things. Like, don't be afraid of the shadowy parts of ourselves because right. they all make up who we are. And it's all, it's all a blessing in some way, shape or form, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's hard. It's hard to let go. It's hard to acknowledge some of these things. Like, I, um, I don't know if I told you recently, like, there were so many things I, I had perceived about myself, especially in terms of, like, relationships. Like, I just thought, like, oh, I'm such an independent, easygoing person. Right. I'm rolling my eyes at myself because... <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> the lie detector test determined... <laughs> Maury! <laughs> like, I was like... Damn. Okay, your girl yep. is uh needy and <laughs> a little insecure and a little intense and okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotta, gotta work through this and yeah. you know, going through my list of what I want in this, what I want for a career, what I want for this, and just realizing like 
it's great that you have those goals. It's great that you can write them down, that you can identify them. And I would encourage everyone to do that. Write down what you want. Be specific um, mm-hmm. in all aspects of your life, from how you want your home to look, your your relationships to look, your career. Um, right. Vision boards. People do Pinterest boards. Like if you're a visual person, then then do that. By all means, yeah. Yeah, but also then while you are, <laughs> I guess, waiting for these things to to manifest itself. Do the work so that yeah. when it comes, yeah. you are prepared. Like we both said, we both kind of took for granted our preparedness and thought like, when I get what it is that I want, you I'll know. be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And from and for a quick moment, you are, right? Like you can handle it. You got it. You're like, oh, it's going to work out. And then all of a sudden, it's just like that sheer veneer. Well, sheer veneer is the same thing, right? That like veneer of, of confidence just dissipates right away this dissipates a word right i can never that's the right way um and 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 it dissipates and i want to say uh also to anybody who is listening which right now is nobody because is that again i think you mentioned it is this is our experience and that's all it is and that you know Everybody is going through their own struggle, their own way, and that is their own journey. And you might by no means have to do it this way or feel this way or or experience it the way that that we did. And also that depending on, on, on like your upbringing and where that has such a huge impact on, on, on you, you know, like what you hear, what you see on television, in music and in all these things that consistently drill into our into the into our heads especially people of color black people uh, you know mm-hmm. latinos asians that we are not good enough that we don't deserve enough that we are lazy and nothing is further from the truth because i have never come across somebody who who genuinely wants something in their life positive that is of color that is lazy or that doesn't work hard enough you know and 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 that in itself is just a testament to 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 the beauty of uh, uh, of us, and yeah, I don't know where that goes, but just a little inspiration from folks out there. Yeah, I think that's a a great reminder. Is these are our stories? Um, I would say, like um, for me, like you know, comparison has been. Um, the great evil that I yes. <laughs> stop doing. So I would say, you know, for anyone listening, like don't feel the need to compare yourself to either one of us or where we are, or what we've done. Um, just an opportunity to share our ex- lived right. experiences. And can I also ask you then, what do you do when you find yourself comparing yourself to somebody or something? Uh, do you have a method to stop that behavior or to like, I mean, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the first step um, for anything is always to, one, acknowledge it. Like, acknowledge that I am doing it, like, actively. <laughs> um, right. And, you know, call myself out a little bit. You know, not in a harsh way. Like, I, I used to do that. Everything had to be so extreme for me. Like, oh, you being a dumb bitch. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> We're so extra. Like, I was, like, always just so extra yeah, myself. Yeah, like, okay, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, me <laughs> for being human. But, um. The first step for me is just always acknowledge it, acknowledge what I'm doing, and then kind of assess what it is that I am judging within myself and right. within the other person. Because usually it is like, 
something that you want for yourself or can see for yourself. And, you know, you get that, like for me, I get that. Well, why not me? Why not me? Why this yeah. person? Why not me? And instead of using that and, you know, letting it fuel all the negative cyclical thoughts that it, it can and will fuel, I've kind of like have to remind myself, like, what's for you is for you. So, you know, stop looking at what other people have as like a reflection of your own self-worth because that's mm-hmm. completely wrong. And right. So like learn from it, like figure it out. And then I also have to hold myself accountable. Like, are you doing anything to get right? Are <laughs> you sitting here complaining, but you ain't doing nothing. Like you said you was gonna work on XYZ and yet here you are. Like, Let me go take a nap real quick. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Facts, 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 facts. And uh, I, I am pretty much the same way where I kind of have to tell myself, like, why are you even getting yourself into that mode, right? Um, and I, and there are times where I do feel not that comparison is good, but to give it a, an honest eye and say, like, okay, so you are comparing yourself to this. Is it because of a of a lack within you, or is it because you see something that you feel like you can achieve that somebody has and and if that is a positive, I, I would say, like form of comparison, um, then what do you do to 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 get to that point? And it usually is just that you have to do more work on yourself and and and, and whatnot. Um, to learn to replace that, to replace that that instant thought, because I used to do the same thing to my to myself too. Oh, you're just stupid, and you don't know, and you don't understand. I've learned to instantly replace that shit with the most positive form right because it's so odd i don't know if you function the same way i can easily see the negative in myself and the extreme negative and i go there and it hit me one day i was just like yo why are you so easy to just be so negative to yourself and why can't you be like no motherfucker you is the shit no you got that no no look at you look 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 at what you can do look how good you look you know like and and what that will do for your life to to have this like delusional confidence in in who you are uh and positive delusional confidence right now like to be a complete fucking prickhole ass person in the street who's just like you the shit but to give yourself that boost that most people will not give you instead of telling yourself that you are shit Mm-hmm. You are the shit. Bing, bang, boom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. And on that note, we are going to take a break and we'll be right back. Thank you. Um, Josh and I were recording yesterday and we ended up having like two hours worth of content. Really yeah. great content. And what I think is a really beautiful um, discussion that we were right. having. And uh, we I had to interrupt it because it had work. But it may have seemed like we were speaking a lot from like a, a sort of like sad, depressive, yeah. <laughs> you know, negative state. And I'm going to speak for myself and like, you can, you can share if you also have a similar experience. But um, in terms of when I moved to California to Napa and when I moved to Madrid, like it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all right. negative. It wasn't all yeah. like, yeah, me being depressed and down in the doldrums. Like, yeah, not at all. Yeah. It was, also incredibly beautiful, incredibly moving. I met so many wonderful, wonderful people um, who really shaped those experiences for me. And through the process of learning about a lot more about myself and what I needed and what I was hiding, you know, from internally, like 
part of that was the loneliness. Part of that was the sadness, but like that, that was a part of it that also made right. it beautiful in its own way. So I don't mm-hmm. have any regrets about no. the move that I made. And I just want to like reiterate that in case people were like thinking about making a move and was like, it doesn't sound good for what they're saying. <laughs> I will um, never do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone who's like risk, you know, averse to taking risk is like, hell fucking no. Right. 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 <laughs> After listening to the two of us, but I just want to reiterate who was best for you. Uh, my experience was filled with a lot of wonderful, beautiful moments. And I got to see parts of the world that I always wanted to see. And I will forever treasure that. So right. there is a lot of good that comes with taking risk as well. Yeah. And you? Um, to piggyback off of what you said that you got to like see the world, but another thing that you did for me was you let me see the world because granted, yeah, I had been to, to Spain before to Barcelona, but you let me fulfill my dream of going to Madrid. And I don't, I think you, I, I hope I said it out loud while I, while I was there. And if I didn't, I'll say it now was that I have never been to another country or another state and felt at home like I did in Spain. I mean, even when I go to DR, which is where I would have been born, where my family is from, um, I, while it does feel like, like oh, it's just something about Madrid and Spain that, that, that like it settled me to a certain degree and you gave me that. So, you know, and, and, and like how we were saying yesterday too, was like, fine, I can understand that maybe it does sound a little sad and our risk seems like, like, oh my God, I wouldn't do that. But, you know, it's in those moments of sadness and worry and and not knowing what's going to happen that you do find the beauty within yourself, the people around you, the things around you. So, so yeah, you have to talk about the sadness. You have to talk about the tribulation that came so that you can rise out of the ashes. So yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. And, and I'm learning to, to be okay with people being uncomfortable. So like be uncomfortable. If it makes you sad, great experience it take it full force if it may sit in that uncomfortability there's a reason you are uncomfortable and that usually stems from you feeling the same way we 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 um it triggering something about how we spoke you wanting probably somebody uh wanting to probably do something and embrace it and like we were saying before is that nothing is really negative unless we give it that connotation and and that like our brains have been somewhat wired to think that certain things have to be negative and they're not yeah that's that's excellently put like i agree with everything you just said um yeah i think it's true like we don't have to put the binary on everything like right. it doesn't have to be good or bad it just it just is it honestly is. Yes. yeah it just is i feel like there are just very select you know circumstances that you know, classify as being, no, that's decidedly bad. But like something like this where you were taking a personal uh, leap or risk. Yeah. Like, I think, I think it's all, it's all good. It's always good. No matter what kind of happens. Like I think too, what doing those moves really, really, um, I think challenged and gave me was, was faith. Like it is one thing to say you have faith and to say, you know, you believe and I'm not talking about like God or some like higher power. Yes, it is sometimes that or whatever, you know, 
you want to call it, but just a literal belief that things will work out, things will be okay. Like you don't know what that is until it is tested. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Until you get in that situation where you're like, I, I literally can't do anything to change my circumstances right now. Right. And yeah, you yeah. gotta have faith that, like, hey, it it's will, gonna work out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then even in those moments, realizing that, like, again, they're just moments that make you have to go through the fire and experience something about yourself. There's never a negative to it. It's all how we how we perceive it. Yeah. I mean, granted, I am by no means a professional in it. I am by no means like saying that I have this motherfucking shit mastered. No, not at all. But, you know, I'm learning and with time it it becomes easier. And that's all it is. It's a constant learning and, and adapting. Yeah, definitely. Like, just be be prepared for that. And that doesn't mean you can anticipate how you will learn, how you will grow, how you will need to adapt and be flexible. Right. But just know that's going to be required of you in some way right. to perform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, can I ask, I'm going to ask you a question. Of course. And um, <laughs> us talking about sadness, this may even sound sad. <laughs> um, just a couple of Scorpio placements talking about that. Go. <laughs> right? And I like the worst one. Apparently, I found out about uh, like two weeks ago that even even me being Scorpio, I have like four Scorpio somethings in my placement that oh, makes man. it look like the worst combination ever. Um, but what I was, uh, while I don't believe that I have any regrets, um, there may be some things that I would probably be a little bit more mindful of how I did it. And 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 that's the thing is that like even saying that sounds like it's a regret. But for me, I don't classify it as that. It's kind of just saying, like, if I had this chance to do it again, what would I tweak? And yeah, like what do you have those like things that you would have tweaked? Um, Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like when I said, like, no regrets, like, I mean, that sounds so (laughs) I don't know. That sounds so like um, big of me to be like, I have no regrets. Like. (laughs) Like, full of myself, you know? But um, I just meant, I think I meant it, like, I have no regrets in the negative sense of, like, regrets. Um, I feel like it's, like, I still would have did what I did and done the things that I I, um, was able to do because there was a lot of joy that came from it. And I wouldn't trade those experiences. But I, yeah, I would say there's definitely things that, in retrospect, I'm, like, all right, girl, this could have used a little more thought. (laughs) (laughs) There are definitely certain things that I'm like, probably required more, more careful, just more carefulness, I think. Right. Is is that, is that a word? I don't know. Today, it's a word. And that's all that matters. (laughs) Yeah, I think especially for me, in terms of finances, because. That was my answer too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would have been it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've never, um, I don't know if I want to say never, but I guess I would, it's yeah. Never been in a completely financially independent. Yeah. Independent place. I was going to say stable, but no, that's a lie, but you're, Mm -hmm. you're absolutely correct. I've never been, um, financially independent in the way that I would like to be. And I feel like maybe in the way that I, 
would have needed to be in order to fully take advantage of the experiences that I was having. Um, For me, it, like, it seems like so irresponsible when I look back at it, like given the place I was in financially to make these decisions. But like I had mentioned previously, like it, it felt like life or death. It felt like get Mm. out of here and get out of here now. And if you don't do it now, you will not do it. And I, it was harder at the time to, to live with having not tried than to have tried and have it not work out the way that I imagined it would. Yeah. 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 I know. I 100% agree. And uh, I actually am going to hope, hope that you agree with this instead of saying financially independent uh, I would say, financially free, right? Even though I came up and told you independent um, because it almost sounds like we were relying on somebody to give us money. And I mean, for me, that wasn't the case. I don't think it was the case for you either um, because I think you had people who actually were dependent on you financially. Uh, So yeah, it was, for me, it was definitely the financially free um, aspect as well because I came down to Atlanta it sounds so cliche, but with like nothing in my pockets, I did have a little bit of money, but nothing that was going to be like, okay, you can go get your, you know, settle right into an apartment and do whatever you need to do. No, for me, it was more like, okay, you have enough money to get down there to survive for a week. You need to find an address, do what you need to do, start a job. You know, it was all these things that, that essentially was planned, but you know, there was no real cushion. It was just like, it works out or it's not going to work out, you know, and if anything happens. And of course, obviously I got down here and it was just like, everything is going to happen. You know, And then even that you see your strength because it, it was just like, here I was, I planned for, for maybe a little small part of failure or a little bump on the road and nothing more. And, but as soon as all those bumps started coming, it was just like, you fuck up and you have to say, okay, I need to figure this out. And how am I going to figure it out? And uh, I don't know if it was the same for you, but a little part of it for me was shame. Cause I was like, I am not going back home and being like, it didn't happen. Yeah. You know? And I, at one point I had even told myself, like, I will live out of this car and I will have little like $25 storage places around Atlanta that I can like leave stuff in and I'll survive that way. But this is going to happen yeah i think like there there are different motivators for all of us like and i don't think like that's a bad one like you know being like i will not fail like you know however you need to say say it to yourself to in order to get that i think i also had um a similar mindset of just like i've always been able to kind of like i don't know check myself like internally like I don't need other people to be like well Jerry you should have blah 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 don't worry I got that like I'm I'm good on that like I was just like you wanted this you made the decision to do this so you're gonna figure it out like (laughs) that's I would I would say um if I could offer you know any piece of advice that no one asks for uh don't be afraid to ask for help and i think that's Ooh. where i tripped up it was yeah, I, you know i still haven't mastered that one yeah yeah me neither like <laughs> because that that for me is where the shame came was like you put yourself in this position and 
and now you're gonna you know look for somebody else to get you out right. of it like right. like no you you're gonna climb out of it however however you need to do it and um you know if I did it, but I wouldn't recommend that <laughs> do that. <laughs> I would not recommend that anybody do that. Yeah, it's um, it's hard. And I'm trying to remember. I had another point I wanted to say, but I cannot remember it. And there was something that you had, <laughs> you had said. So the question was like, like not regrets. Right. Um, okay. You have tweaked anything? Tweaked anything? Right. Yeah. And then we we talked about being financially free. Yeah. Right. That's the thing. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. Was like. Like when I looked at, you know, the YouTube videos and the blogs that were like, you know, these are the steps you need to take if you want to move abroad. And it was like, you need to have like this X amount of money in savings. And it was like, it wasn't some astronomical amount to some people. But for me, I was like, it was astronomical. $5,000, yeah. $8,000. I was like, where the <laughs> fuck am I going to get that kind of money? Right. Who got that money laying around? Yeah. Like yeah. who? Like what? you know, adult living in the world who, who has responsibilities is going to be able to, to save up that kind of money and still be taking care of like the things that you have to take care of and the right. people that you have to take care of. Like, and I, like, I knew I was like, if I'm waiting on myself to save up that kind of money, I'm not going to get Never there. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, there might be some people here who are very financially savvy. And if y'all have advice, I would appreciate that. But, um, for me, like, just knowing myself and the way that I was operating, like there was, there wouldn't have been no amount of budgeting and like cost cutting given what I was making that I could have done to get, to get there. there. So yep. it was just like, you would just got to find a way. And like when I got to um, Madrid, especially when I got to Madrid, I had finished my AmeriCorps program in, I want to say June, like when the school year ended and um came home to brooklyn you know you were there um came home to brooklyn and i was gonna stay until september when i had planned on going to my host family and i was like okay for for the summer july and august i will get babysitting jobs i'll get nanny you know like sitter jobs because i had been working right. with kids and i was like that's that's what i'll do i couldn't get that one sitter job the stipend obviously finished i was like <laughs> am I going to do? What the hell am I going to do? I already agreed with this family to go out there. I had already signed a contract. Like I was like, yeah, I'm coming. Like I just need to get the things in order. I like don't know honestly how I did it. It was literally through a hope and a prayer and a way yeah. and like the universe, God, everyone just like working together to help me conspire to do this thing. I landed in Madrid with $50 in my pocket that Nancy, God bless her, gave me as a gift in euros. God bless her. She just happened to have, <laughs> she just happened to have euros. And right. she, shout out to Nancy. Shout out to I'm Nancy. There. Yeah. She, she surprised me with a card on the way to the airport. And when I opened it, it had 50 euros in it. And I was like, God is good all the time. And y'all don't know that 50 euros was like, a thousand dollars because I had the 50 euros she gave me. And I think maybe I had a hundred dollars in my bank account Wow! when wow. I got there and I got there, um, early September, like middle of September, um, September 11th, I believe is when I arrived. And, um, I wasn't going to get paid till the end of the month. 
Wow. And they give you pocket money because <laughs> it's not a real <laughs> job. It's not a real job. It's like an exchange program. So, right. so I had, <laughs> that's what I had. And I could, it's not like I could ask my host family for money. Like they didn't right. know me. That wasn't the. Could you imagine? Yeah. Like, oh, Walk hey, I, the door and be like... <laughs> I I've only been working three days, but could you pay me early? <laughs> yeah they would have sent me right back i was so i was like we gonna make just just gotta make it work and i did yeah and you know what what hearing the how you described the story um one could even say that you perfectly manifested it right because you didn't know how you were going to get there but and so that is what you put your focus on but you somewhat almost like let it go that it wasn't going to happen, right? Like, so it was like you told the universe, this is what I need. It's out there. And you, but you lasered your focus in saying like, this is what I need to be there. And the universe somehow said, okay, here you go. Yeah. Right? It was uh, a lot of manifesting that summer. (laughs) (laughs) In what was once your room, Anthony's spare room, which is me like, journaling, meditating. I, I drew like a, a picture of like, you know, a very shoddily drawn childlike picture of me on a plane heading mm-hmm. to Spain, greeting the family. And I was just like, uh, this is what I want. This is what I see for myself. And um, I'll do what I can. Like, it wasn't like me just sitting around waiting for things to fall into my lap. I was doing right. what I could like while I could to make it happen. Like this sounds so bad. This is what I'm saying financially free and things I would have done differently. Like I had to get a physical done. I didn't have health insurance because it had ended once I left the program. Um, I clearly didn't have a job at that point. Um, My international insurance that I had to get was only going to work internationally. So I couldn't use that, but I needed to fill out um, a physical in order to like, when you get your visa, you need to fulfill certain requirements. One that says like, you're healthy to come here. You have a place to live. You have a place of um, study, employment, all these things. So I think I charged like for the physical, like I charged like the last amount that was like on my credit card. Like it just was just enough Enough. to get like the physical, you know, done or whatever. And I was like, Ooh, thank you, Lord. Like, still paying off the credit cards, but like that, that, that worked out. Right. And then like, um, I think, uh, as a going away gift, my aunt, like unexpectedly, because she just happened to give me $200 go away. And that was like the exact cost of the visa application. Wow. I was like, God, won't he do it? Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm assuming you, you're talking about Aunt Donna, right? I'm talking about Aunt Donna. Like, I didn't ask. Shout out to Aunt Donna, who Shout is one Aunt of the Donna. most beautiful people <laughs> that you introduced me to and who gave us the the book, A Course in Miracles. Yes. And just like a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful soul uh, who I need to see again when yes. I get to Brooklyn and we have Thanksgiving. I know. Uh, and also because they loved my my pie and they made me feel like special. <laughs> um, yo, shout out to Andana. But that was the thing. Yeah. Like, I didn't say anything to anyone. I didn't ask anyone for money. Like, I was just like, she just gave that to me. And I was like, that is exactly what <laughs> the amount that I needed. I was like, thank you. So much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, it was it was crazy. I and you know, some of y'all hearing this might be like, what the hell? Like, that is the most irresponsible thing i've ever heard and you know what you're not wrong you're not wrong yeah. 
but that that's the beauty of it right is that those moments that like change our life usually are not centered in pure responsibility and like this logical thinking because if it was that then it would just be a regular decision and anytime you hear somebody talk about how something changed their life it was always them going through one of the biggest tribulations and like worries of their life yeah so speaking of like things seeming irresponsible and irrational like how do you feel like other people within your life perceived like the risk that you were taking for the most part i think it was cut in the middle maybe slightly more leaning towards the like do not do this of course all of my acting friends and the people at my studio were just like yeah go leave change your life you know <laughs> uh, because of course you know every actor is going to be like yeah go chase the go chase that dream they're not going to really stop you i think that a lot of the contention came from from home you know um i will say my mother was oddly more supportive than I thought she would be, which I'm grateful grateful for. Um, and then at the end of the day, most people didn't say anything to me upfront in that moment until later. And I mean, I even had one time my my very, very good friend was just like, oh, well, you went and made this decision and you made it without talking to anybody. And it was just like, you know, like, what can I do? You know, and if I would have talked to you about it, would it made it different? Would it made it better? Like, that wasn't, it wasn't your decision to make. It was mine, you know? And when I was ready to then open up and say, this is what's going to happen in my life, you know? Yeah. And I, I will agree. Maybe that, that is something that I could have tweaked and been a little bit more open and honest and said, this is what I'm going to do. But I also know me that I am, I can be, or used to be a very big, like people, please. If somebody didn't like something that I was doing or was going to do or wanted to do, it, I would convince myself that they would write that they were right and I shouldn't do it. And this was one of those decisions where I think it was, like I said, the beginning of me really changing because it was just like, this is what I need. And I'm not going to let anybody else's opinions, feeling, feelings change that. And you're either here with me on the boat or you're not on the boat. And that's fine too. I'm not going to hate you. Be over there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, um, what you said, just like, the word that came to my mind is like your intuition, like right. you ultimately, you followed your intuition. And I think that's ultimately what we all have to do. Cause yeah. just like you, I didn't consult with anybody when I made my decisions. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until after the fact, did I bring people in once I had right. made the decision was, it wasn't like I'm, I'm asking your permission or I'm asking for like anybody's blessing or okay, but I'm telling you this, this is what's happening. that's happening. And this is what yeah. I, I plan on doing. And if I'm able to do it, I'm going to do it. Cause I'm also the, I'm the same way. Like I just like one, if you tell me like something seems like a bad idea and not to do it, like I'm going to do it even more just cause just, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you don't get to tell me what to do. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think like, when you made your move, I think for me, there's always, it was, it was funny being on the opposite side for once being like, not the person making like, you know, the leap. It was, it was like, it was nice. It was like, Oh, it's not me this time. Like, <laughs> I'm not the idiot. <laughs> so, but it was also interesting to be in that space because I think I, I 
gain more empathy for people who probably felt this way about me, but like couldn't express it because they knew like what I'd, I'd made up my mind. But it, it's like immediate concern happens where you're just like, are yeah. you going to be okay? Will you be safe? Will you have enough money? Like who, you know, will you have someone there for you? So like, it's always like, for me, it was just like, do what you need to do. 100%. I understand. And like, right. it may not make sense to other people, especially other like non-creatives. And I don't mean that in a negative way, just right. other non-creative people like may not understand. You have to follow the art sometimes. Like it don't follow you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you have to follow the opportunities because they don't follow you. <laughs> so, right. Right. Um, so from that part, I definitely understood. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like do it. And I support you 100%. And then the other side of me was like the mom that was like, is he going to be okay? Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, I will say that um, one of those things that I would tweak would, would be, and this is a stupid thing, but um, the time that I told you guys, because I think it was, who's, I think it was your birthday that I told, no, 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 your birthday. No, it was birthday. actually, it was at a barbecue. <laughs> no, it was at the house. Yeah, it was at a barbecue. At, yeah, oh yeah, okay, okay, at the barbecue at the house. But it was for was it for Anthony's birthday? There was a reason why maybe. you were having the barbecue, maybe. Maybe and it was I think for that, his birthday, because it was right. the summer, yeah. Yeah. And that that was one of those things that I said, maybe I shouldn't have taken that time exactly <laughs> to, you know, like on somebody's birthday and be like, hey, can I make this shit about me? You know, <laughs> um, but it was the one time that I had all of you together. together and, yeah. Yeah. And, and I at that moment, I felt like it was going to be a painful thing for me because it was, you know, here I was leaving three, four people that I have known probably the longest in my life. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, like, well, if they don't like it, this is going to be that one opportunity to tell me that they don't like it and not three, four, five separate opportunities for people to express concern. It's just like, here it is. It's happening. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. I don't think you pulled focus away from the barbecue at all. Because if I recall, like you told us each separately, um, even though we were together in the space, like I remember we maybe had a conversation to the side. I'm pretty sure you and Anthony had a conversation to the side. So I don't think you pulled focus away. I think I was, um, I think I was shocked because I was like, what? Wait. <laughs> um, I was definitely shocked. Um, which again, like I'm saying, it's so funny being on the other side. Cause like, yeah. I've done that very thing. And like, <laughs> So it's so funny to be like, yeah, okay, now I see what that feels like. Um. (laughs) (laughs) And me on the other side and realizing uh, just how liberating it is to, you know, and I'm sure you probably felt the same way was to make a decision that was 100% about you, for you, and only because of you is is such a, a, a beautiful thing as well. And it's just freeing. It was freeing to actually say like, I'm going to do this. But it was also very real because now it's just like, you have to do this, motherfucker. You have to. Yep. Yep. And that's a scary thing, too. Oh, and that's, God. I think, yeah. yeah. I think that's why I, I keep, I kept a lot of my decisions very close to my chest. Um, as I like to say, one, because like I am private about like certain aspects of my life. But also, too, I think like once you tell people, it feels more real because it's out yeah. in the world now. And then, you know, like you said, like there, that builds expectations. So now you're like, mm-hmm. well, I got to fucking go now. 
them. <laughs> you know, even if you had like, you know, wanted to change your mind and you're just like, you know what? I thought about it no more. And uh-uh. it's nope. not now, not now. Not now. <laughs> you just like, well, shit, I gotta go. Um, right. But um, so I guess we, we kind of answered like that didn't really affect your decision-making like people's nope. um, opinions or perspectives. And I would say it didn't affect mine at all either. Um, did you feel though, and I'm, I'm going to speak for myself because this I think did happen to me was like the doubts that I could sense that like some people had, like whether it was expressly said to me or not, I felt once I got to where I <laughs> to where I wanted to go. Then I was like, then it started to become a little more pervasive. And I think um, it allowed the fear to set in once mm. I had got to the place that I had made the wrong decision. <laughs> Whereas like, it sounds dumb, like, because like the lead up to doing those things, I had no doubt. Right. And then when I got there and then you, especially when you're alone and you don't know anybody, then those thoughts of the people start replaying and then they get a little pervasive and then you get a little like were they right yeah which is normal right because and i the same thing i will say that i had a little bit of a cushion because i got to where i was going and luckily i somewhat knew where the person that i was staying with you know and so maybe that was a little bit of comfortability because it was this like almost link back home it wasn't this complete like you don't know not a damn person and you know new york is back in new york uh but yeah 100 percent started having like this doubt of well now i'm too far from atlanta should i go back how am i going to get myself to actual atlanta and find the place and you know what this person said may be true and what the other person was feeling and that look that 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 <laughs> i'm gonna shout out to nancy because i still remember her look when she was just like wow (laughs) and you could see that her brain was just like had all these questions that she didn't want to ask because she knew that it was going to make me feel like well why whatever Mm -hmm. um but again it's one of those things where it, it it's you know that inner negative part of your brain that is always going to challenge you when you want to do something that is for you that may change how that negative part of your brain functions, you know, because you did that to to find a new part of you. So I feel like the body always wants to stay in that same place and never change. So it's going to do everything possible to trick you into believing that like what you're doing now is the worst thing for your life. And you have to just, again, go through that fire. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, you're absolutely right. I think it's like the body and like well, you said the the ego too, right? Because like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Then the ego comes out, and it's like, uh, yeah. how dare you put us in a position to be, uh-huh. you know, fail to get hurt? Why would you do that? And you're yeah. just like, yeah. I don't know, ego. Why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> and one thing for me was that I didn't realize how much my ego was like the leader in my life. And it's so crazy how your ego can be this person who almost comes across like they're doing good for you. And it can make you feel like that is the change that you need. And it's just this secret person underground going like, 
you think this is good? You know, like, yeah, that is a big wake up call to say like, oh, wow, I was functioning from that from that ego space mentality for so long. And it's almost like you could hear like feel your ego clawing at you because you're killing it to a certain degree. So it's dying and it's trying to be like, no, 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 no. And it's easy to fall into that space to be like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're, I'm dying. I'm dying. And it's just like, no, it's not you. It's this negative part of you that you have fed for so long that now you're learning to feed the better part of you. Yeah. And of course, anything that's dying is going to struggle to live. And you have to be okay with shutting that ego down over and over and over and saying, fuck you. I'm not going to keep feeding you. I'm going to feed this beautiful part of me that feels independent and that feels like I'm doing something great and changing my life. And it always works out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is no no wrong or right. I remember um, I read this quote and it may have been Paulo Coelho, again, um, the author of The Alchemist, and it may have been someone else. I'm sure like all the things that we are saying, the language that we're using, ego, you know, all these things like, you know, we're not the first ones. Like, I don't you know. We're not. Like, <laughs> we're not. You were not, not pioneers. <laughs> um, all these things we're saying, you know, have been reiterated and the messages we've received it either through other people telling us similar things through our readings and meditations and stuff. But um, what the hell was I going to say? Oh, it was like the, the universe doesn't believe in right or wrong or good and bad. A decision is just a decision. Mm. A choice is just a choice. And what happens after that is whatever you are putting on the decision you made, whatever you are putting on the decision you made. And um, I think it's easy to get caught up. Yeah. Again, we keep saying like, we keep looking to classify and identify things as good or bad or negative or whatever. And the cases is not, that just doesn't really exist. It just is like we both made choices at the end of the day, you made a choice to go to Atlanta and pursue your acting career more seriously. And like, I made the choice to like go abroad and, um, I don't, can't even understand why I made the choice. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I'm talking shit, I'm like, there wasn't really a goal in mind other than getting there. (laughs) And that, but that is the goal. And that was the goal. And you did that. You smashed that shit right away. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I think maybe probably now that we're talking about like tinkering things, um, I probably would have acquired a more concrete goal aside from just getting there. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that's where I lost myself because I got there and I was like, the goal was done. What now? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I would say, yeah, I probably should have thought more beyond that because the struggle was just getting there. When I got there, I was like, oh, Mm. but I should have maybe thought like, is this where I want to build a life for myself? Right. Is this where I want to do grad school? I think I should have maybe framed it in that way and put more emphasis on that because I think I ended up spending a large amount of time then being like, okay, well, I'm here and I'm just going to go back home when this is over. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> right, yeah. And, and and do you normally have trouble like setting, consi- like consistently setting goals? Is that a thing for you? Um, I don't think so. Think so yeah. I for think me, it yeah. is. is it- I, I, I set it and then I kind of just like, that part of you that's, that doesn't want to continue to have to, like I said before, 
I want I want to be able to stop <laughs> for a good considerate amount of time and not have to to think of the next thing. That's just how my my body functions. I want to be able to pause for a substantial amount of time. So that notion of having to, you know, consistently set a new goal and hit it and go somewhere else, I can then sometimes tell myself like, okay, no, if I don't set the goal, I can be in this space. And that's not always a good thing. Yeah. It's interesting what you said, because now I'm thinking if I do the same thing, when it comes to goals. Because I I feel like there are certain goals that I I set for myself and then I achieve them. And then I think think my problem may be, and and it may not be a problem at all, but just something that I need to think about and work through is what happens for me once I reach the goal. Like, I think that's where I I start to fall apart a little bit because like, you know, my huge huge goal for me was um, getting my bachelor's degree. And it took me an exorbitant amount of time to do that. (laughs) Like, I think I want to say seven years over the course of like going to school, stopping school, going back to school, um, doing full time, doing part time. Um, Took me seven years to get my bachelor's. And for so long, that was the goal was like, cool, you need to finish school. And like, it was so important to me. And then when I did it and I had no idea, no recourse for what came after that. Like I, I didn't have a goal for a career. I didn't, I didn't have anything because I yep. just been so single-mindedly focused on one thing. I think that's maybe where my issue stems from. I get very single, like focused. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, yeah. I, and I've learned too that that there's nothing wrong with that because I become that way, right? I, I laser in on what I want. I laser in on the goal and then it becomes all about getting that. And I realized that we just need to, we're the type of people who consistently need to give ourselves that boost. And, you know, once, of course, once you hit the climax, there's nowhere else to go but down. So now you need to give yourself that new reason to climax all over again. And that is stressful. I mean, that, that, that's part of why it becomes so difficult, you know, because it is routine, but it's also a routine that requires a lot of work. And sometimes we just, you know, when you're when you're raised the way we are, well, I should speak for myself. I have a tendency to want everybody to feel the way I do. Um, but when I, how I was raised, you know, it was kind of just like you you hit one thing, you realize that that's it. And, you, you know, you're constantly working, you're constantly moving to do something else that you want to just relax because it is so much. And you don't have the luxury of generational money or, you know, like parents for me, like parents who had an education, my father didn't have any education my mom had a fifth grade education you know so so there's a lot of things that you one have to learn for yourself that you have to that you have to figure out as a child my father passed away when I was literally a kid you know and so there's so many things that that when you grow up the way we grew up that 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 are put on you that it's natural to just want to say like I can't I don't want to keep doing this I don't want to keep doing this thing you know because it, 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 it is it's just naturally a lot yeah. Yeah. No, I would completely agree. And I think you may have said this before. I don't know if it was um, while we were recording or off that, but growing up as we did, like inner city, low income, you know, working class, poor families, like a lot of your life becomes about survival. So like mm. goals feel like a luxury, like yeah. yes. a luxury and you feel a little like how dare I have goals? <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for thank you for saying that because that is such a 
very, very good point. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you you look around you at like your community or even within your family, like like sometimes I think there's a sense of guilt. Like um, for me personally, one I, one is like I know my parents, my grandparents want me to achieve more than they have. Right. That's the reason why they work so hard and they've sacrificed and they've you know gone through the things that they've gone for. Like like I think I forget who says it, but like you you become their wildest dream. Like you know we yeah. are our ancestors' wildest dream, and there's like a beauty in that. There's also a huge amount of responsibility in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also too, like a sense of like, why, why do I get to be the one who gets to, to do certain things that were denied my parents or were denied, you know, my yeah. older siblings or whatever, whoever else in your life. Um, that guilt in a way, like it is not ours and it's not fair. Like it's a, it's a, um, it's a product of, our society, unfortunately, in the way mm-hmm. use, you know, black people, Latinos, people of color, you know, migrant or immigrant families as well. Like, but it's something I think we have to, I don't know, be mindful of because we do deserve the things that we want and we do deserve, mm-hmm. you know, to, to reach our goals and to set goals for ourselves. And I think that's like the hard part, like that imposter syndrome they talk about where you feel like you're maybe not deserving right. of certain things, but but we are and that and now that i'm talking and thinking about it could be part of the reason why i don't make goals yeah, <laughs> so yeah. from the, the the handful that i've had could be um that could be part of it of being like you know who who do you think you are um yeah, being, yeah something to work through something that says you know you were lucky that you got the bachelor's like you you think you deserve a phd like <laughs> you, think you can do that like that you know that's that that part of you that could be generational trauma it could be the effects of society what we see what we hear how people view right. us you know yeah. invading our internal mindset um and it's been a process yeah that's it's a lot it's a lot and it's a lot to to get out of survival mode and start living right right yeah maybe because like we were saying before it was just when you grow up the way we did that there's you don't have that much leeway to make mistakes and to fail because like you are in survival mode and that one mistake could be the difference in not only your life but the lives of people around you it can drastically change i have my alexa to remind me about like little things i don't know if you if you heard it oh i heard it but, but it's okay that's just alexa y'all <laughs> <laughs> no but i actually love what um the little quote that i have her telling me now which is consistency can change your life mm-hmm. um so i thought maybe i'd share that because alexa decided to share it with us um but yeah and i will say that for me that that guilt was was quite heavy because you know like i said my mom my dad grew up in the mountains where they peed in a hole and there was no electricity my mom grew up in a wooden shack with 11 12 other brothers and sisters um and that guilt of saying realizing that one my mom never my mom and my dad never got to live their dream their passion follow the, whatever they wanted to be and that responsibility that you feel like okay well i need to take care of these people or at least give them you know a better life because they sacrificed everything to give me a better life mm-hmm. uh, and then feeling like how dare you take this opportunity to have a steady career, you know, cause I have my bachelor's degree in aviation 
And I could have been out here flying planes. I could have been out here managing an airport to then say like, well, here I go, going to take another risk and become an actor. And chances are that I will barely even be able to take care of myself, you know, and say to somebody, uh, somebody else like, well, fuck you. <laughs> I can't take care of you. That's for sure. Um, that That is a lot to 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 take in but you also have to realize that you know for me it was like yeah i can keep doing this thing that i like which is aviation and it makes me somewhat happy but you know as soon as i get into the nine to five field i am the worst most miserable person around so it was just like can i take care of my family probably in a few years following this path yeah absolutely can i make great money yeah but i'm going to be the worst person to be around and what does that do, you know, or I can go and follow this path where I may end up homeless with no money. Um, I won't most likely be able to take care of anybody in my family. Uh, but I know that I will be happy. And unfortunately that is somewhat selfish, but I rather make sure that I'm happy and that I can possibly have the opportunity to change my life and the lives of everyone around me. You know, that that to me was more was worth it than doing something that that may not have been that was not going to to make me happy. Yeah. Um, several things. One, I will say, like, we're going to speak over we're going to speak over you, over your life, over your talents right now. Like you're not going to be homeless on the street. No, I know. that. <laughs> no, I know. Like, I'm just going to say, like, um, you are have an incredible amount of talent, an incredible amount Beautiful. of creativity like you are someone that can think of a million ways to to do things and it's incredible to watch it's incredible to see like um those who don't know Joshelle like Joshelle builds things he can build, oh. he can envision things and then go out and build it and find some plywood find some things reimagine it and make it like something completely his own he built his own bed he built his own shelves like you do a lot of shit that I'm like how like thank you lovey um, thank you you created your t-shirt line with your own original like design and stuff. Like you found a way to produce them. You found a way to like even sew them. You took sewing classes. You had your other previous um, line with embodiment. Joshua makes hats. Joshua sews hats. He sews scarves. He even makes <laughs> bag. I have, I still have the bag. Like <laughs> you have so much talent. It is. Thank you crazy like it would be i think a shame for you not to explore it not to live with it and not to put it out in the world like thank you thank you and that and the same goes for you as well i mean you know and i think that that's what we all need to realize is that 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 all stems from just how much we've had to to survive and how creative you have to be when you grow up in the situations that we grew up to survive because you don't have the luxury of, like we said, generational money or like somebody else to take care of you. It was just like, no, you need to think of every little single thing that can bring something into your pocket, into into your well-being, into the lives of your family and 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 turn that out. At the end of the day, do I believe that I'm going to be homeless? No. You know, at the end of the day, I know that I will be OK, um, but I've accepted that there is a part that could end up in that space. And that if I do, fine. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be that happy bum on the street. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But I know that I will never be that because I will be living in your apartment. <laughs> <if I laughs> to. 
So get ready. <laughs> no, of course, right? That's why we have community around us. And that is like right. why yeah. the brownstone is like a vision of mine, like an actual physical space where people always have a home and there's always, you know, community and stuff. And, you know, that is a goal that I right. actually need to get more concrete about making that happen and how. But um, yeah, no, I, I agree. But I, I think on the other side too is like, there's also, I think, an acceptance for you to say, I can have the career that I want. I can mm-hmm. have the success that I want. Like, I can see for myself in whatever way that looks like for you. Like, I mean, a lot of celeb lives, and it doesn't even have to be celebrity that your goal is. It could just um, being able to live off acting. Acting, acting. And that's a little PSA that I love to give uh, to anybody who has a child or a friend who... Um, is pursuing a career in the arts, especially acting, is to take that pressure off of them and as and you know as a family member or friend, off, take that off yourself because the de- definition of success as an actor is not fame. There's mm-hmm. a lot of us who don't necessarily want fame. You know, I've always said to myself, like, would I love to be famous? Absolutely. I would love the platform that it gave to ch- that it would give me to change the lives of so many people. But that's not necessarily what I'm actively working at. I, I am actively working at being able to sustain myself from my talent. Um, I mean, and, and, and you see a lot of these actors who are not these huge famous people. I mean, I was going to use Catherine Hahn as an example, um, but she has since kind of like come up on in the ladder. But, you know, Catherine Hahn, Stanley Tucci, all these people who are not uber famous or weren't uber famous and had been working for years and were able to sustain themselves. Um, and that is what my goal is right now, to be able to work and just say, like, I have been on this. I have done this. I do this. I do that. And, you know, that's success. And uh, you, you don't have to as you don't have to measure success with only fame, especially in the in, in the artist field. And 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 to understand that 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 that, that that's OK. It doesn't have to be fame. And also thinking about how many people, um, artists, creatives, you know, lived their whole lives and didn't make money, didn't, weren't famous. Um, one that comes to head, to, to head is Monet, who didn't make any money. You know, he only became famous and, be- and his paintings were so, were so, you know, sold for so much money after his, his death. Um, who else? Uh, there was another painter that that was pretty much pretty much the same way, and that's just that's just the course of just the course of life. I will say that I very rarely ever come across any creative who, you know, has not enjoyed their life once they pursued it. You know, and at at the end, yeah, would it be great to have all those things and this uh, this like perfect platform and all these riches of course it would be it would be easier it would be life-changing you know you could settle your soul about like your kids or your niece and nephews and parents living better lives but at the end of the day if you get to just do and release the things that make you happy that is fulfilling that's that's your purpose and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing bad about that 
Yeah, nothing at all. And that was really beautiful. So on that note, guys, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with the last segment called The Roundup. And welcome back to the show. It is now time for The Roundup, which is our last and final segment. And this is where we just wrap up the show and what we've discussed and possibly even learned from our talk today. And this will also be the space for listener letters and feedback should you all want to write into the show. And I hope you all do at the brownstone podcast at gmail.com. So, um, Josh, I guess I just want to ask you what have you learned about yourself um, in making these quote unquote risque moves? I am so much stronger and resilient than I have ever given myself credit for. And realizing that that is okay. I don't know if we said it on the podcast yesterday. I think we did. Um, but like this notion of just being unapologetically and almost like delusionally confident in yourself that, that, and that there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're not doing it to put somebody else down, take away from somebody, um, that it, 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 it's, it's okay to, to exert your strength to make your life better and the, and better for the people around you. Um, and, can I add a second part to what I've learned? Of course, you can add all the parts. <laughs> uh, it was one thing that I used to do in my life was continuously go around and feel like somebody had the answer that I needed in my life. And it wasn't just, and then you realize it was just like that. Nobody has that key. And that you need to stop searching for that certain key but to realize that everybody around you does have like these little golden flakes and these little golden nuggets that they impart on you. And it's your responsibility to take all those pieces, melt them down and make the key that unlocks you because you have that, you have that mold. Um, and we keep searching for somebody else to, to give us that key, not realizing that, that, we already have it. We just need to take everything and make it. Yeah. Oh my God. That's powerful. In the words of Beyonce, you're the key to the kingdom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and that is so true. I will say that I've spent a um, majority of my life looking for others to tell me who I am. Yeah. Tell me what is good about me to tell me like mm. what I should do with my life. Um, and uh, from my experience, that that never works. <laughs> it never works. Never. And, yeah, and it always um, has left me feeling disappointed, uh, feeling like a deficit, um, and still continuously searching. And uh, right. kind of like you said, like turning one, turning inwards, and realizing that any answer that I'm seeking is already within me. It yeah. just needs me slowing down quieting all the other outside noise and chatter and really just um, tuning into it. And that happens over time. Like we don't get the answers immediately, but it's also sensations like paying attention to what we feel, how we feel, when we feel it. Like mm -hmm. um, those things are important too. Like And letting yourself feel that. Yes. Letting yourself feel that when you block yourself off um, too many times, once again, when you, especially when you associate things with negativity, um, 
it could be you you end up closing yourself off to to most feelings even the ones that are quote unquote positive you just don't you know you don't you don't life is not going to let you just only embrace the the good ones and not the bad mm-hmm. like if they cut off the bad you're cutting off the good too and <laughs> so you got to you got to feel it all and you got to um allow yourself to tap into that intuitiveness and i love what you said about like the golden nuggets and the flakes that you you pick up from people because there's a lessons from all our interactions with each other yeah, yeah. like sometimes the lessons will will stick sometimes you'll you'll take it and you'll analyze it and you'll be like oh not for me and that's okay like yeah that gold is not your gold yeah but looking for others to define who and what you are is yeah that only really leads to to disappointment, disappointment sorrow right because it, it, it because it, it makes so much sense we're consistently drilled to that we are not good enough smart enough that's all we hear all the time so it only makes sense that while you're growing up you're saying okay well if i am not that then somebody else has that somebody else is that let me go find it so essentially we do we go around picking up all the little nuggets that we realize that we are miles and miles and miles away from ourselves, and and also that too is like once you realize stop fooling yourself and going forward and thinking no 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 somebody does have it it's that your body telling you go back go back go back go back i mean it's just like the the alchemist right he says that the treasure is always at home i'm sorry for whoever i'm ruining this book (laughs) (laughs) but go read it because yeah you realize okay my answer is all the way back there yeah right where i am And and unfortunately you're going to have to then now take that trip back. And I think that that is where, you know, when, when you, uh, when you start doing good for yourself and, and really taking care of yourself and figuring out what you need, your mental health, your physical health, you know, and changing these aspects of you that didn't work, why there's so much tribulation because now you're cutting all the way back through all that negativity that you thought was leading you to the positive. Yeah. It is, it is a journey. And I would say like recently now during this quarantine, like I was still seeking myself in others and it is easy to fall into that subconsciously, especially when you feel good around someone. Woo, that is oh. when it gets dangerous. When you feel good around someone, but they make you feel seen. That oh, is safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you be like, you see all that in me? You see yeah. all that good stuff and you make That's me feel good? good? Like, like how? Tell me how. Where can I get this? Where and you start pulling on them, pulling on that reserves. And like I noticed for me, like when I start to get obsessive with with um a person, and I don't mean that in a creepy, stalkery way. I just mean like when you start relying on on their energy and stuff for to improve your moods or to improve like you know how you're feeling. Like like uh, you know, I want to talk to this person because I know I'm gonna feel better after I talk to them. Right. I want to see this person because I know I'm gonna you know feel better once I see them. Um, I think it's like like you said, you need to go back. <laughs> you right. need to go back because you you've turned left you yeah. turn the wrong way and i yeah. um, it's, it's almost like selfish and it's yeah. you know, not necessarily selfish but like you're taking from somebody's cup and your cup is not full exactly. because you're right right so how can you because that notion is what what they're giving you is what you should be able to give to them you know yeah. yes pour into yourself pour into yourself and then and like, there's nothing wrong with that either yeah because for so long i felt like that was such a bad thing to to have a full cup 
And, you know, and it's true. I think I, the young of Ansan said that it was like, make sure your cup is full and whatever flows over is for everybody else. Yeah. Uh, I cut you off from your, from your, from your beautiful thought. I apologize. Oh, no, 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 you didn't. You didn't. I, it's just making me realize like, um, where I still have work to do. Cause I would say too, like, um, the qualities we see in others that we so deeply admire and like, you know, want to learn how to be that way and, and stuff. It's, it's usually like you probably recognizing a reflection of yourself that you don't yep. see yourself, but you see in this other person. And so you're like, Oh, but you have the things and you will yeah. show me how to get the things. And it's yes, like, it's, yes. You recognizing yourself, like you have the things. Like. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Isn't that the? In order to recognize it, it means you have it, and and that goes in the in the complete negative side too, right? Like when people tell try to tell you about all the negativity in you and blah 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 blah. It's just like no, that's your stuff because you recognize it, and that's what you are. Now. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. I think too, what I noticed, like especially when I um I'm being judgmental of someone, or and it could be someone in in life or in my life. And I notice it a lot actually with like, um, fictional characters. Like when I'm getting really, um, emotionally invested in a character in their story arc or in parts of their personality to the point where like, I get really like pissed about them or like, I know it's because it is reflecting something to me, like something I know I do denial about. Um, and it's so funny, like the first episode of the podcast, like I talk about Molly from Insecure and I'd be getting so tight with Molly. If y'all have seen the show, like I just be like, you are ruining everything. everything. I hate you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, oh, wait, I'm Molly. Like, <laughs> yeah. So annoying. But like the signs are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Open to them. Which, by the way, shout out to Issa Rae for creating a masterpiece television show for Black folk where we are highlighted and shown in the best, like, most beautiful ways, while also touching on the fact that we can just be typical, horrible people as well in certain degrees. Um, And uh, again, shout out to the the lighting people on... insecure whoever is doing that lighting like damn 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 that is thank you Issa Rae. Yeah. yes thank you Issa. um hire josh <laughs> yes 100 um yeah so i mean i really can't add much to what you said because i agree wholeheartedly and, I, and yeah and i think that's like perfect place to end unless there's anything else you want to add um i don't i really don't have anything yeah <laughs> we did what that. <laughs> so that will be the end of today's show and of course i want to say thank you thank you thank you a million times to you Joshiel, for agreeing to do this for being on here for being so honest so authentic um i love you so much i love you and thank you for having me on oh there was something can i can i completely be yes. that person and plug myself in every form on your podcast plug yourself as many times as you want and need uh, to. Uh, uh. Okay, so y'all can follow me on IG, Instagram. Instagram is IG, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, let, let's start that. Let's start that over again. We're older millennials, guys. Leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> IG, Twitter, TikTok at I am Joshell. That is spelled J A S H I E L. I am Joshell. And please, by all means, go and support my shop. 
I'm going to have some t-shirts, bags, hopefully some like new stuff that I'm working on by the time this podcast comes out. And that is joshell.com, J-A-S-H-I-E-L.com, the one and only. Please, y'all, support um, local businesses like Joshell, people of color, artists, creatives. Please, he does it all himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I will put the links to the web- your website and to your um, handles in the show notes so that um, people can also find you that way. So please y'all support and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps boost, you know, the ratings and move us up on the the iTunes podcast stuff, um, which just means we can reach more people. Um, Also, you can check us out wherever you get your podcast and you can follow us on all social media platforms. I will also add those at in the description box and please stay tuned for next week's episode love y'all stay blessed bye, bye. bye.